Welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Critically harsh reviews with a touch of class. jerry (laughs) all right we're ready aren't we for the greatest podcast that you could possibly be listening to right now if you wanted to listen to shows or a podcast about something that's board game adjacent this is jerry and gobby's here hello Hello. well i didn't know you change up the intro every time so i never know what you're doing you're keeping me on my toes you're keeping me nimble and quick that's part of it like Like, jack just like Jack. Yes. You got to be Jack, be nimble, Jack, be quick. And uh, I have no candles, though. I have no candles. We should ha- we should. Uh, that's something we should sell. I've burned them all down. I, I was into candles briefly because for mood lighting. But the house got way too hot. The house got way too hot. Who's the actress that sells her own candles now? Uh, Gwyneth lady. Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. Her head was in the box, right? I don't know. I've never seen one of her that candles. That was in seven. That was in seven. Gwyneth Paltrow got her head cut. Oh. Spoilers. <laughs> okay. Uh, why don't we we need to sell our own candles? What would our scent be? We should have a candle that's just entitled Enrique. And it's just no, it a candle. Be, it would be chicken nuggets and a musk. It reeks of chicken nuggets and despair. Cheetos. Cheetos. We could sell that in the shop. And with us, we have a special guest today. Two. Two special two guests. Two special guests. Uh, well, one of them special. The other one just happened to be <laughs> one, one, one is also there. <laughs> one of them. We'll let you determine who is special <laughs> and who is not. Because we have started. Uh, See, this is why now. Enrique is his favorite. He doesn't insult him. Enrique's <laughs> everybody's favorite. We have Denva with us, who, man, last week I had read everything, and for some reason I I thought Denva was going to be on the show last week, and so I had read all of her stuff, and I knew how to introduce her properly. So if I say anything wrong, Denva, feel free to correct me. Denva is a professor of art, his, art, yes, that's right, art history, thing. history, art history. In yes. the Trecento era, Trecento. 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 That Are means you, that means three hundred in Italian. You're looking that up. Thank you. Uh, that sounds like a. <laughs> I'm fluent in uh, Olive Garden. So Denva is an art history professor who not only teaches. Trigento. What is what am I thinking oh of? I'm God. thinking of Sargento. You are really struggling. That's you are Sargento. really struggling. That's the cheese and the nuts and the cracker things. Yes. The protein packs are Sargentos. That's what I was thinking about. Okay. Gotcha. So uh so Denva's really important. Harvard educated. Denva also enjoys Sargento. And that's Sargento. Joe. And Joe's Joe um fixes light bulbs. Her husband. <laughs> so Joe, so Joe, Joe, so Joe, um, is in charge. He's our uh, lighting expert for the podcast. So if you wonder, so there you go. Is your last so, name Gallant or Gallant? Gallant. Gallant. Okay. 
I had two shots and I got both of them wrong. <laughs> I've had two shots already myself. And also doctor. Now, is that only in the professional field that you go by Dr. Denver or should we refer Dr. to you as Dr. Denver? Denver? <laughs> Dr. Denver. <laughs> no. Um, well, yes. I mean, I don't use my, I don't like make people on the street call me like Dr. Grant. And I like, so. When you're, <laughs> when you're at Starbucks, you don't require Denver. No, excuse me. It is Dr. However, I should tell you something really funny. So in Germany, Joe can take the doctor. So he would be Herr Dr. Galant. Oh, he would be a doctor of electricity. Yeah, you you marry into the honorifics. Yeah. Nice. Honorifics are really important. How do you feel about people who aren't doctors using that that honorific, such as Dre? (laughs) (laughs) What has he done? I, I feel like he has a, a doctorate in rap. In beats. I mean, he is like beat literate, you know? And so I respect that. I respect this honorific. Like, would I say that I would confer a doctorate upon him? Probably not, you know? Eminem did say he brought him back to life. So that's what doctors do. That's true. You are drinking as well as I am also embodying in some form of alcoholic beverage. I couldn't help. But notice that your bottle also has a wrapper on it, not just a wrapper, but not just the nutritional facts, but also a musical wrapper. I see Snoop Dogg shrouded in a cloak. So why does Snoop Dogg make wine? Why, why would you buy a Snoop Dogg wine? OK, so let's be honest here. This is a money grab for Snoop, right? Like Snoop has his hands in everything. I was at the store and. A woman came up to me and she was like, if you want a rosé, you should really do the Snoop Dogg rosé. And I was like, hmm. She's like, it's really good. So, you know, I always take the recommendations of precocious small women in liquor stores. In South Carolina. (laughs) I just just imagine this 78-year-old little woman coming up with her blue hair. You should really try the Snoop Dogg wine. It's the fazizzle. Also, I have to say this because I know you guys are fans of Australia. It's a 19 Crimes brand. 19 Crimes. I was I was I was thinking of only two. It's funny because Snoop Dogg's never been convicted of a crime. He's uh, not a felon. 19 accusations. Martha Stewart. <laughs> 19, <laughs> 19 accusations. 19 alleged crimes. Yes. 19 <laughs> alleged crimes. So Denver, what you okay, we mentioned the Trecento period. Is that a period? What is that? Yes. Yeah. Why are you oh, wait, asking Gabby. me? I'm I mean, sorry. Wait. I'm asking. I'm answering the questions, Gabby. For some reason, Jerry, I'm sorry. I love this about Jerry. Jerry That's will how- answer a question. <laughs> he will answer a question quick as anything and be completely ignorant. But he says it with such confidence. That's, That's the key. That's all that matters. That's the key. Uh, it says, uh, okay, now this is interesting. Whenever you can Google a person and they pop up, that means you're somebody. That means you're somebody. You make me very self-conscious now. According to arthistory.udel.edu, Denver, you you studied with an emphasis on manuscript illumination and the Mm. figural arts. Yeah. Is that why you married Joe to help him? illuminate your manuscripts with electricity and all. Absolutely. He's hooking up LED lights to all her books. That's what that means. <laughs> it was a marriage of convenience. Listen, I, mean, I, I won't allow any of these lights that are installed in our new house to be under CRI 90. The color rendering index needs to be higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what is figural arts? Is that like sculptures? No, it just means that there are actual figures in it. So, you know, bodies and things of that nature. Yeah. Nudity. Well, well, yes, there's often. Well, hmm. Yeah. Let's be serious. There's like demons doing terrible things to people. There are demons doing terrible things. Mm. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> demons doing terrible things. What piece of art is this? This was basically so, charmed. Well, charmed is just, they're just hacks at charmed. I mean, let's be honest here. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Right? <laughs> terrible, right? terrible right. show, terrible it's show, terrible show. But no, um, so I look at manuscripts and they're often demons fornicating with um, women in them. So it's quite interesting to have them in purportedly Christian manuscripts where we might think monks might look at them. So, you know, it's kind of pornographic <laughs> so on your, your show, which is probably rated PG. Sure. That was in the back of the monastery behind the curtain. You had to go in there, show your ID. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> That's where that curtain came from. That curtain idea. We have to. <laughs> so uh, you got the demon one in. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah. It's in the back. Brother Harold has been behind the <laughs> You guys joke about this, but there are these records of indulgences and, and you know, um, monks having to talk about their dreams to their confessors. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> It gets it gets real, real explicit. Let's just uh, where say. can yeah? This is your your class is sounding lit already. If this is, <laughs> we need to, I think we've got a but. There's a bunch of people right now going boy, art history. I thought this was kind of lame. This is sounding pretty good. We need to. So are you? You are a teacher? Yeah, I mean, so professor, professor. Professor. Yeah, yeah. I I teach. Okay. Yeah, as and I write and I yeah. So your your Monday through Friday eight to five job is. What depends on the time of year, yeah. So, during the summer, when you would think that a professor has all this time off, she's writing a book because yeah. she needs to get tenure. You need to publish. You're writing a book about yeah. what? Well, some of these demons, I'm writing it on a 14th century. So, the Trecento is a 14th century. So, mm -hmm. I am writing about um, this illuminated manuscript sidebar. I think you guys love the Marco Polo game, but the mm -hmm. Mar Marco Polo is venturing during the 14th century. So we have manuscripts, illuminated manuscripts of Marco Polo's voyages, which is pretty kind of fascinating and cool because he and an H a HBO special. Oh, there is an so, HBO special. In 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 their Marco Polo show, I'm pretty sure it might be. Is it HBO oh. or Stars? Now I think there I think there was a Marco Polo show, but I don't remember where we'll it was. We'll have to look into that. If not, let's just pitch it. Sounds good. And so your your book is now when you say illuminated manuscripts. Illustrated. It's a fancy illustrated. Word for illustrated. Yeah. Right. Lots of stuff in the margins. I looked it up. Well, it's like a lot of text and then like a picture. Yeah. <laughs> I have never done more research for a podcast than this one. So as to not sound like a complete and just a dullard. Belland, whatever you want to do, because <laughs> I was, no, no, no. and I was, I, I asked my wife, I said, because I'm like looking stuff up. So I'm like looking this up and on this thing, it says, uh, you're a specialist in European medieval art. So first I had to look up manuscript illumination. Then I'm looking up exemplum virtuitous. Then I'm looking up like everything. I'm looking up every word I read on your uh, biography here. And I was like, where do you even start? How does one even start into this field? 
I started down the same path, but at some point in time, I just kind of it it I I started watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. It got it got deep there for a minute, and then it was like I there's too many. I have questions though. But back to your book. Back to your book before we we derail you. So your book is about illuminated manuscripts in that cent in that century. Yep. Well, one in particular. But yes. And it's at uh, what museum in the New York? It's again? in New York and it's at the Morgan Pierpoint Library, a fancy one in New York. So we can go there and look at this. And it, why, why write about one particular manuscript? Oh, What's gosh. So wow, this sounds like my job interview. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in 30 seconds or less, why one manuscript? Well, okay. So in academia, it's really good to write about things that are novel. No one's written about this and it's extensively illuminated or illustrated. It has 272 illustrations in it. Um, and it was probably owned by a king. So, you know, I just want to introduce the larger academic community to it. I think it's very important. Um, and I have a lot of fun with it. It's my baby. It's now my baby. Like I feel very close to it as an object. So it's a pop-up book, right? <laughs> like it has it like you open it and out comes these various it's it's so do we know who wrote this book? Do we no, have so that's what's really confounding about the Middle Ages. When you get to the Renaissance, people like to sign things. Um in the Middle Ages, it's not really like that. So we don't know. There's an image of what we think of as a king in it. But it doesn't have any, you know, this belonged to Jerry. See you later. I have a conspiracy theory about oh, no. historical artifacts. Why? I have this conspiracy theory. And this is this is what this is what gets me. If you're in Oklahoma, you have to have conspiracy theories. Yeah, well, they hand them out. So well, like, he we, does live in the uh, the marijuana portion of Oklahoma, that's, right? That's all the great <laughs> ideas paranoid? came from. Yes, you're all a little paranoid. <laughs> Very laid back yet paranoid. We find these artifacts and mm -hmm. we go, this is amazing example of, of whatever this is. Okay. Deep down, I wonder, like perhaps that might have just been something that's rather mediocre and we haven't found all the really impressive stuff. Like for no. instance, like 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 if they lost like all right, hundreds of years from now. Okay. They go date down into the cloud that is the internet and they try to recover our podcast. And the only bits of our podcast that they can recover is Enrique's voice. Like for some reason, it's just bits and pieces of Enrique talking. And then in the future, they're like, this is a prime example of, of a millennial podcast regarding these analog games. And this person, Enrique, was the foremost podcaster of that time. <laughs> and me and Gabby are lost to time. And that's what I worry about. And that's why <laughs> that's I think what? that we, you know, I worry about that, that perhaps there's good stuff out there. And we're just looking at the stuff that survived, the Enriques of the world history. First. I'm, how dare you? <laughs> a national treasure. First off. First. I feel first. like if I hadn't petitioned, Enrique wouldn't have become the third wheel of your podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. It's your fault. Second. So we know, so we have like inventory records about how much things cost because they did have the like um, people who were your accountants, things like that, who wrote down costs. So we know that these were luxury items. So we're not, mm. you know, just having the dredges. But I, I was going to say, uh, Denva does also look through 
what you would refer to as the Enrique of the past with the ledgers and the sales and how much somebody may have paid for this. Yeah. (laughs) Because people have detailed records of where their money went. I want to see the Enrique artists of that century. Like I want to see where are the, because we always focus on these are the pinnacle. So this, 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 the 14th century, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, uh, Giotto, is that who who we're talking Giotto. about? Yeah, 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 Giotto. Giotto. Okay, Cimabue, and, and, Giotto. yeah, well done. So he is, um, he's uh, several hundred years in the 16th century. Michelangelo and Leonardo, they're they're in the 16th. Okay, that all the other Ninja Turtles are in, in that century. Yeah, they, they Giotto, got there. So this is this is uh, pre, uh, not Renaissance. What, yeah, what's yeah. that here? Okay, pre Renaissance. Yeah. Okay. Pre-Ninja. So. Yeah, this is pre Ninja Turtles. So there's got to be the mediocre artists. Of course. For every cool. Dr. Dre, there is there is a little John. I want to what? see. What? <laughs> Hold up. Let me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, you know, there's got, the, I mean, there are, there's varying artists and, of the time period. And so there's got to be one guy who has these beautiful representations of, of whatever his artwork is. And then there's obviously the guy who's the hack. Where are the Snow hacks? The rapper. Who? Snow the rapper. Okay. I want to see the hacks. Well, so, okay. So we do have. Informa. Exactly. Thank you. you. One good one. <laughs> he said. And some, that one good one is pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and he said some problematic things too, but we won't go down that road. Um, so yes, we do. We do have what you might call your, I mean, your hacks, but you know what? You could actually go to an auction and get that work. You could go to Philadelphia right now, sit in an auction and bid on a 14th century work, which would be what we would call from like follower of. So anytime in art history where we don't know the provenance or we don't know an artist, back in the 19th century, they would go follower of Joto, follower of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and that would just mean they, you know, in the style, in the style of. So I know you want to see those people and I applaud you for wanting to see those people. <laughs> and I think you can own one of their works of art. You know, you can, you too can have a hack. Just to have a, have, you know, well, you, uh, I'm, I'm Gabby. I'm stepping all over your banter. I'm sure you've got right. some hot. No, no, I, I didn't into. really know what, how we were going to do it, but I, I would rather uh, learn. Okay. So I'm well, okay, good. Because I'm already, I finished off my rum and well, roll. So, well, go ahead. Go well, ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say. Unfortunately, when I was like, when I for this, what I first like, okay, Demma's gonna come on, art historian. Okay, so before I knew this, before I knew that you kind of specialized in certain centuries or whatever, I started looking up art historians, and I kind of noticed that like uh, most famous art historians. Pliny the Elder, Johann Winkelmann, John Ruskin, Kenneth Clark, bunch of bunch of men. I was like, where are the women art historians? So then I then I run upon Linda Nochlin, 
<laughs> oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. She wrote a wonderful essay. Why aren't there any female art? Like, yes, female yes, yeah. I saw that. And so I was going to do the thing where I say, well, you know, I was interested. I was more interested in Jericho and Goya. And there are two very different approaches to the theme of economic misery in the post-industrial revolution. But, you know, if we're going to go medieval, I guess we can go that route. Like I did, That's my homework. That's my homework for the show. You did a Google search. <laughs> I listened to a podcast with Linda Nochlin on it just to find out some stuff. That's how deep I went. Linda Nochlin is revered in our field, but also like is going to be far more modern. Yeah, that's what I discovered. I'm going to dip my toe in, right? Like, yeah. So, um, uh, uh, Kelly Jones. And oddly enough, I think I've met more female art historians than male art historians, but I know I have a very limited bubble. Well, I was wondering, since uh, women throughout history have been oppressed, is that just something that in the recent times there's been more women art historians? Yeah, I, you know, Absolutely. I think it is becoming far more female dominated, but I think there are a lot of reasons perhaps why. I think that more men are being encouraged to go into more STEM related fields. Art history, I hate to say, is, is, it isn't like hiring. <laughs> it's, you know, so it tends to be far more female dominated at this point. But when you look at per se, okay, I'm going to get really technical here. But if you think about who the directors of museums are currently, then it is going to look more male, right? Um, so people at the higher echelons of the field or in different parts of the field, it, it will look still very male driven. I would say even more so, what about the fact that you're a black female? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm a unicorn from the <laughs> I am an absolute unicorn. I was looking up and I found this uh, Kelly Jones. I couldn't really find any others. Yeah. So Andrea Achi, who's at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, she is a woman, an African-American woman. And I literally, I don't know if I should say this, but like she, <laughs> me, and one other black woman got on, <laughs> on Zoom and we were like, this is it. This is it. This is the crew. No, no, no. Yeah. It was Thelma because we were looking at pre-moderns so oh, like 1400. Yeah, so Leslie's like, recent. yeah, she's far more recent stuff. So I think one of the biggest, I don't know if anybody wants to hear this, but I think one I of the do. biggest like um, boundaries to getting into our field is languages. So I studied Latin in high school. So in order in order to be a proficient medievalist, you need to know your languages. So I read Latin, Italian competitions back in the day. I won competitions. But so and and it's really interesting because some people one one of the women who is a medievalist who is also African-American got got into um, medieval art because she has she has a hearing deficiency. And so it was the only language she could study, really. She couldn't really become proficient in any of the spoken languages because she couldn't hear very well. So, you know, it's interesting that Latin, Latin is important. Hmm. Um, I read Latin in my manuscript very often. We interviewed so, yeah. uh, Liz Davidson. You ever watch any of her stuff? She does that Beyond Solitaire. Uh, she's a board game YouTuber and uh, she's a Latin teacher. Oh, wow. I love my I love my Latin teacher. She was absolutely fantastic. It was like such a such an honor to like just be in her class. It, it, it's got I mean, uh, you'd have to to do it for art historian, I suppose. But to me, it would be so difficult 
I'm learning a language that I will never use except in this very specific field. Or unless you're a Catholic priest. Or, I mean, <laughs> a lot of like medical terminology is either Greek or Latin. So a lot of it's Greek, a lot of it's Latin. So like, I mean, I'm sure Jerry could sit yeah, here. Jerry, you know any Latin, Jerry? Uh, most of the medical field. I mean, all the terminology is derived from latin and i mean we use it all latin is used all the time you use latin phrases or terms you just don't realize it's latin and so when you're it's interesting to and i know everyone calls it a dead language but whenever you're and i'm i i can't learn languages i i i was i I, you also speak italian do you not denva yeah okay and so i've often been told like Spanish, Italian, there's certain languages, like once you learn one, it's much easier to learn the other. And I've often heard that like, once you understand Latin, there's a lot of different phrases or things that kind of all come together when you're looking at where terms come from or where words come from. And so it's not a useless thing by any means. It's just, it's not a conversational language that you're probably going to sit around and meet somebody else that speaks Latin and, and then go at it. It's not like on, uh, it's not, it, it, it's not going to be Val Kilmer in Tombstone and they're yelling Latin insults at each other at the, at the saloon, you know, type thing. It, it's, it's, it's useful in whatever, um, history or whatever type of, of endeavor that you're at. Um, what got you into art history? What made you pursue that as a career? So I wasn't supposed to. Um, I got to my undergraduate, which is Sweetbriar, and my parents were very happy that I was going to become a lawyer, (laughs) Um, but there was no, like, um, pre-law kind of situation, so usually what people did was do um, government or uh, international affairs, and oh my gosh, I hope this professor doesn't listen to this, but I, I got into his class and was just like bored to tears. And then I went to an elective course, which was my art history course. And, you know, I loved it. And that professor happened to be a medievalist. And so we got on like a house on fire and I just kept going. I did have some detours though. I, I didn't just like pursue this and continued. I did think it was like a waste of my time. So I like tried to get another, you know, be in another profession. So, okay. so why this particular period though of time in terms of art? What, what is what, what brings you to this this specific period? Well, I mean, so I love the macabre. Like, I really love um, the Middle Ages. Is really about death, about blood, <laughs> about mysticism, and I'm really into that. I'm not really into pretty art, so. Mm. You know, I love German expressionism where they like show a, a like fetid carcass, right? <laughs> I'm into like raw. She was really there. drawn to the Inquisition. It's very strange. Very strange. Uh, Nobody suspects it. So, Facebook page for a very long time, and it might still, has a snippet from the illuminated manuscript that you study and it's like a demon going after a guy's crotch and there's something <laughs> going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No so kids I'm, for you. Yeah. It's not very, it's, I mean, you, you can get away with putting it on Facebook because, you know, limited, you know, draw. This is art. Back then. Yeah. Well, not only that, but just the way they depict it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not into it. So 
there's there's a moment where I have like a really shiny, bright eyed, 18 year old young lady who comes to my class and she loves impressionism. And she's just like, I want flowers and lily pads. And then I show her like a completely flayed, bloodied Christ. And she like runs away. And that's like the pinnacle of my day. (laughs) (laughs) Shock and appall the youth. It's just, it's just kind of my thing. Um, And I'm interested in how those images work for people who were purportedly extremely devout and extremely Christian. Um, How do these images of pornographic images, but also extremely bloodied images, how do they function? So yeah, that's, that's what kind of got me into my, my thesis, my undergraduate thesis was on mysticism. Well, I can't knock the macabre because I am quite dark myself. I was wondering if if you said is the medieval times and all that stuff, not the restaurant, has got to be very influential in like the fantasy genre, right? Is that where yeah, that absolutely. is that where that come from? Because it's all swords and sorcery and all that stuff. Well, Tolkien, Tolkien was a professor of um, I, I think he he his specialty was Beowulf, which is medieval. And so when he is creating all of these worlds, he's drawing from this like when I mythical medieval past. Right. That's what he's he's drawing from when he's at Oxford, I believe. So, yes, a lot of fantasy is built upon medieval lore or our modern conception of what medieval lore looked like. This is I I would like to just interrupt for one second. And uh, you guys will have to choose Gobby or Jerry. I want one of you to describe this image that I'm going to show you or try to show you. Uh, That appears to be a (laughs) horse, which is uh, it it appears to be eating the crotch. Perhaps it's in the crotchal area. A bloody king. The crotch is bloody. And then there's a dude with like he's got a staff of some sort his head's glowing so i'm saying it's an angel a saint a saint yes that is that is uh yeah that that's gonna be that is saint equine the patron of horses and he is he is he has come and has sicked his uh his horse on somebody his 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 crotchal attack horse apparently i don't know that is a weird that is a weird sick him boy sick him and this is why somebody needs to study this. Yeah. Well, it's, I it's mean, for you, the Latin above it. You know, there's got to be. Okay, well, uh, can we get it explained to us? Well, so this is a story about. So in the. Oh, this is, is going to be hard. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's only hard because this is a story about a king who believes he has all the power. But the holy man, which is a person in the in with the halo, um, actually can foretold this happening right Mm -hmm. so in the middle ages we're always talking about hierarchies of power we're always constantly talking about that even now right who has the power and so in these stories often it's not the king that ultimately has the power it's the holy man because he's connected to god and so you know this guy is having his genitals like pretty much ripped off by a horse (laughs) and the saint is pretty much like i told you so this was going to happen Mm. so yeah but it's one of my favorite, favorite images because the the Middle Ages were all about like, I don't know if you guys know about the penis tree. No, I do not. Look it up that, on your all time. The penis tree. I got to write that down. The giving tree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the penis, the penis tree does give, okay. but it is not <laughs> of that nature. No. So there's this image of a nun 
And there's all of these phalluses that on her tree and she's picking them. As one would. As one, one would. Would. But it, yeah. As a nun would. As a nun would. <laughs> so it's like so interesting, you know, like people think the Middle Ages are is same, but it is not. It's like the exact opposite. I'm surprised there's no bush around the tree. Hey. Uh, hey. It would be burning. I, I was waiting for this punny banter. I was waiting. Oh, no, he's just giving you a hard time. We, uh, the, 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 um, yes, it was. The, well, I, there's something about, not just in history, but I guess it's the, it's looking back and trying to figure out what was going on now. What, what caused, what was taking place at this time that made this be either entertainment or expression or, or why was this thing? So, and I, and even now when we look at our music and movies and things, it, 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 it's likely that years from now, someone's going to look back and go, this is what people were watching. This was the artwork. This was the music and what was going on at that time. And, you lose some meaning. I mean, obviously there is some pop cultural references that will be lost in time that we just won't people in the future just simply won't understand. And I often wonder, are we looking at depictions of some sort of pop culture reference back in the 14th century? And it is actually serious, but we're thinking it's comical or vice versa, or or do we truly understand the meaning behind it? And I, I think that it, as a whole is just fascinating to see just some of this, uh, just some of the artwork. And like I so, said, this like some of their things. manuscripts is basically like they're Justin Bieber's tweets or something. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. just little John. Yeah. It's just um, little John. Shouts of exclamation and, you know, getting people pumped up. This manuscript was really affirmative. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Just all the way down it. To your point, I think it's always going to be hard. Like things are going to be, we've lost so much. Right. And we have to make certain kind of assumptions and read and, 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 you know, I think the further we get a distance from material, the more we have to say, we think this is what happen we think this is what it would look like i mean for instance a lot of the sculptures from antiquity are white right so if you're looking at nike that's in the louvre that i mean i don't know if you looked at um jordan's shoes yes the shoes (laughs) the shoes are in the louvre but in fact we think that they would have been garishly colored like there there's there's ideas that they wouldn't have been as like pristinely white we just lost the color over time they didn't didn't have sunblock back then didn't have any sunblock all the colors gone so yeah it's so yeah so that's to your point jerry yes so in in board gaming because this is a board game podcast if anybody wants to send us an email segway city yeah, there is a, and I, I, I flip flop on this all the time because I, I've recently started this project of like trying to do my top five favorite artists in board gaming, oh. and, and I, I'm something occurred. I played a game the other day with my kids, and we ended up playing uh, Kanagawa, which is a Bruno Cathala game about painting, and you you lay these cards out and it formulates this little canvas. And my son just fell in love with this game. And it's not an exciting game. It's pick a card and either place it as a 
part of your canvas or put it in your studio upside down. And now you can paint more of a different type of painting. He just loved it. And afterwards he demanded to play it again and harasses me to play it all the time. And I asked him what, why do you like this? And he, he just keeps bringing up when it's over, look at my beautiful painting. Like, look how nice this is. And it's, it's, interesting that he that's that's like the accomplishment is not well no and no matter what you do in the game you always end up with this, this beautiful canvas the, that's painted with this various objects and so forth because all the cards mismatched together and it's it's the idea that can art really bring out well, the artwork in the game i know that it can add to the theme of the game but really and I, I go back and forth because I play some literally some very ugly games and there are some very beautiful games that I do not particularly like, but I can look at the artwork and appreciate it. And I kind of go, I kind of flip flop back and forth in my feelings about some of these older Euro games that have that very medieval artwork. Hansa Teutonica comes to mind because it has that very 15th, 16th century feel. If you've seen that game of, of every of, of, of that era, that type of painting. Are there any examples that you can think of off the top of your head that are good representations of medieval art and board games? Oh, geez. No, not off the top of my head. I'm going to be completely honest. But I do think like, okay, so I want to step back here for a second. I'm going to redirect this this question slash comment. I think what your son is like really doing is being really excited about the creative process and accomplishing and creating things. I think what's really beautiful about this podcast, and I was thinking about this when I was driving today, is that what you guys do is something we all do in education is that we we ask students to kind of think through the process. Like, why was this useful? Why was it helpful? What did you like? Why did you like it? And so I think the difference between you and your son is like, I feel like you're an analytical person who takes a real joy in kind of um, thinking through a process, breaking things down, down, like really kind of analyzing something. And his is more of a generative process of like creation. And I can understand that. And I'm more like you, Jerry, in the sense that as a part of my education at Harvard, I had to take a, um, an art class where I had to do my own etching because a part of it is like understanding how effing hard it is to make art, right? So they would give us the tools that they would have used to make etchings and etchings are further along than my period, but that's what they had the money for. And I'm a horrible artist, but like, so I I think I'm more of an analytical person. I I don't, I can't, my aunt was an artist. I Mm. try to make things, I'm not very good at it, but I am really intrigued by thinking how does this work? How does it function? What kind of effect does it have? What's mm. to use the language that you use on this podcast? What's the mechanic that I enjoy about this? Um, and why does it function? And why doesn't it? Um, how yeah. does it make you feel? How does it make you? Feel? And I think that's and that's true because I and and Gami makes fun of fun fun of me because about every couple of months I bring up the same conversation over and over where I try to take something that is a feeling or something that is subjective. And I try to make it an objective thing. Like I I often bring up to him about things that he will say, that's funny. And I'll go, why is that funny? Explain to me why this thing. Jerry's ongoing thing, his ongoing work, his thesis someday will be on what makes something funny. 
and he is just obsessed with finding out what makes something funny. And he wants to, he wants he wants two plus two to equal four on why is something funny? You know, and, and, one plus one equals three when it comes to funny. Yeah, and that's that's what gets me. And and, and it's like these. So, so like with art, and I and I've often I think it's I think one of the the gateways <laughs> into appreciating art is that a lot the most people do not have the words to describe or mm. really be able to analyze what they're looking at and say, yeah. other than just looking and saying, boy, I like this. And and yeah. I realized that that's myself. what I do. I, 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 well, I realized that myself when I, I got into painting miniatures and I've watched all these videos and I, I I'm not, I, I don't like the paint, but I thoroughly enjoy it. And at some point in time, I got to looking at other people's figurines and, and going, why do theirs look better than mine? Like, mm. what is the deal? I'm I'm doing the same steps. What's what's going on? And finally, after like researching it and having actual people break it down about contrast and color palettes and 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 3D objects and how the light should land. And, and you go down this this path of like at the same time, I'm trying to look at something from an objective point and say, this is what makes the paint job on a miniature look good. But sometimes that's just not that that's hard to grasp. There are some fundamental things that you do that add luster to it that, of course, makes it more appealing. Well, I would think it's got to do with I mean, there's technically a robot could draw something perfectly or make a piece of art, but. Are you going to get, you know, that you go from the technical standpoint to the human you know, or emotional standpoint of stuff? Yeah, that's true. And I think that's just that's something that I've I've labored over just in terms of what little artistic endeavors I have done is like, how do I express? Because people will post that on these various Facebook groups and I'm in with painting of miniatures. They'll say, what, what do I need to do here? And they're asking for technical help. And you're like, then you're, you're like, yeah, you need to stop painting miniatures. It's just not your thing, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just give I'll it be, up. Yeah. Become yeah, a mechanic or something. Mop a floor you, every now and then. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Gary's on Facebook. You can't be negative on Facebook. You know what happens when you're negative on Facebook? You will get jumped yes, on. Uh, I know. Have, have you tried D&D? Painting miniatures is not your thing. Um, I, I, I have a question. I have, well, when uh, when you're done with this. Okay, well, you, but I'm just I'm just <laughs> lamenting. I am lamenting, and the point that I'm getting across is that when you look at an, an art, any type of painting, when you look at an what, art, that's how we say things. When you look at an art, as <laughs> you say, mm, that's good. I, I, I reckon that's good. Uh, French fried taters. <laughs> French fried taters. Uh, don't get me going. Don't get me going on <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. I have some deep thoughts on Billy Bob Thornton just Ooh, now. I love this. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Bad Santa. Was a great thing. <laughs> well, I just I just realized something the other day I, I, because I have got uh, Gobby likes crappy movies. No, how dare you? See, this is where you're not. A, oh. No, 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 no. I'm coming. I'm coming to appreciate these movies for what they are, and I'm I'm slowly. I'm about to. I haven't told Gobby this. 
but I'm about to watch. Uh, what's the Fast and the Furious? The Fast Five. Now I've been told by I want to watch all of the Fast and the Furious. I'm so behind and it's so sad. I have feelings about this, but wait, hold on. No, no, no. Wait, I'm going to answer your question, Jerry, and then we're going to get to Fast and Furious. Okay, okay. Because I feel like we need to devolve. Okay, so quick thing. I really hate. I'm not interested. I'm not going to say hate. I'm not interested in what makes this good, right? I had a, I was, I had a professor who was like, how did, he was German. He was like, how has this artist failed? You know, like he was like very intense about it. Um, so I'm interested in the question of, you know, not necessarily what makes this good, but how does this function? How is it successful, right? So, and success for me is about context. If I'm thinking about an image or a work of art in a religious context, then I want to understand how does it connect to its viewer. If I'm thinking about an, an image or an art object just aesthetically, the success might mean technicalities, right? So how a great example of this is to go back to impressionism or to think about pointillism, which Seurat did, which is all those tiny dots, which people were like, this is horrible. Like when it first came out, they were like, this is the worst. <laughs> but, you know, I'm thinking, what is this artist trying to achieve here? How do they achieve it? And how does that make an impression? So how is this a success? And success changes in terms of context for me. So I don't, I don't, I mean, a lot of people come into my class and they're like, that's an ugly Madonna. That's a flat person. That person doesn't understand three-dimensionality. But what I know about it is that because they thought that icons were so close to God, if it looked too perfect, then it would be almost a personification of that God. So we're not looking for three-dimensionality. We're not looking for mimetic reality. Those things that we as modern people idolize. And so that question of, is does it look perfect? Does it look good? When students come into my class, we like take that off the table. And if they can't take it off the table, then they go to the 19th century class. You know, and I'm okay with that. And so it's not. And I I think that I have struggled with that concept. And I I have two points with that. I've struggled with that concept in board gaming because I often think of board gaming as being an artistic form. Mm -hmm. And it it really I would never say this out loud, but I'll say it now that I'm being recorded. It genuinely upsets me. I've got enough in me right now to say this. It genuinely upsets me when people say they like a game that I don't like. I am one of those people. Mm -hmm. It upsets me when I go, why do you like this game? It's horrible. And they rave about it and I go, it's trash. And, but, and I wonder to myself, how, how could that be? So like, how could you say this blasphemous thing that this is good? It's not Jerry think Cause you think your opinion is more objective than theirs. Uh, that might be it. Or it could be, be, some sort of psychological thing in the back of my mind, or it could be that I'm just a jerk. All the above. All the above. The, the, the thing that gets me, though, is that occasionally I have to remind myself, with just as with any type of entertainment or art, it can mean something else to somebody else, and it can mm-hmm. truly be a different experience to them than what I am perceiving. I, I don't want to call out the game because me and Gabby have just recently played a a game that I had no interest in. I kickstarted oh. it for I'm just just out of randomness. The artwork is poor in it. 
it has mechanics that I do not like. And I read through the rule book and there was nothing special about this game. This was a very mediocre game. We played it and I absolutely loved it. Wow. And it, it shook me. Everything about it should everything about it said mediocre until we played it. This was a this was a game that as we're playing it on I just remember driving home from Gobby's going, Why was that so enjoyable? What what none of these mechanics I like. That's the thing with me and Jerry. Jerry mm. drives home thinking about why he doesn't like stuff. Whereas I, we could not be more different. We are the, the, I'm the yin to his yang. I'm just like we said previously, I'm like, I enjoyed this. I'm, I'm more emotional based. I'm just like, I, I enjoyed this. It was a good time. Liked it. Had fun. From there on, I do not think about that game. It's probably, I've done forgot about it. Whereas Jerry's trying to figure out, okay, now why did I like this game? And I, and I wish I was more like that because when it comes time to podcast, I'm like, I, I liked it. And, and Jerry's like more of the, uh, the, the, the Roger Ebert of the show where he can like nail things down to what he liked or didn't like. And I'm like, I felt good playing it. That's me. So I got a question for Jerry real quick. Do you think that, the guy that designed the Campbell soup label should be more famous than Andy Warhol. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that's a weird question. That's a good no. question. That's, that's, that's a, that's a really philosophical question there, but it's kind of like, no. And here's why I think that that particular picture of that, Campbell soup can, which is, I don't want to knock Campbell soup because they're a huge employer around here. Um, Campbell soup is the premier employer of Paris, Texas. Yeah. They are the only employer of Paris, Texas. Um, I think that just as if a photographer will take a picture of something or, or you'll, you'll, the way we perceive things and our position at that time, our mindset affects how we internalize that image. So, like, I have seen Campbell's soup cans a million times. I, I cannot count. I have a literally in my office at work, I have three crates of chicken noodle soup from Campbell's. Why? Because I have a coworker whose husband works for the, for, for the uh, uh, Campbell's soup. I can buy them dirt cheap. I buy them by the crate. I stack them in my office, and I give them away for the when people need Soup. I'm stacked for the apocalypse. So old people, when they need soup, they're sick. You get everybody knows Jerry's a chicken soup guy. Is there any medical validity to chicken noodle soup helping you feel better? Yeah, there's something with the chicken. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, there is there there is some there is some scientific background because I looked it up as a scholar. I was yeah, like, what's this it's thing? Fatty like and nutrient rich. Yeah, and just you know, and it hydrates you at the same time. Yeah, I personally don't like soup. I don't yeah, either. I think yeah. it's it's weak stew. Weak stew. I'm okay with a good stew. I like chili uh, soup. Don't do it for me. I have one thing. Okay. I want to go back to one thing before we like transition into something else. Gabby, you were saying how you're far more emotional, but I think that's something that's really great about this podcast. So like to tell our origin story with this podcast, Joe was like, we should listen to something as we're moving down from Waltham to Delaware. 
And he was like, it should be a board game podcast. <laughs> and so he puts on these board game podcasts and they're super freaking dry, uh, right? They're like, oh, trash, trash, trash. trash. <laughs> and then you know what? I found you guys. And then you, so, but let me. Episode 10. I think it was episode, episode 10. No, no, no. It oh, wasn't. Really I don't was. think it was actually. We so, were before 20. So it was, <laughs> we were before 20, but. I have to say my favorite line, and I think I wrote this to you in an email, was like, you said, I'm inarticulate with my hate. And I was like, <laughs> I love this guy. I love this guy because, you know, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll play a game with Joe because Joe's like, we're going to play a game because it's going to bring us together. Spoiler alert, <laughs> it almost ended our marriage at one point. It's going to bring us together and you're going to love it. Travel together ever, ever again. again. <laughs> uh, Rotel Dorado was like pulling teeth to get her to play. I love that game. I don't know. Quest to El Dorado. Let me Road tell you Dorado something. I have to tell you two things because I'm going to get my two cents in here. Joe did something in Quest for El Dorado that is unforgivable. I don't play to win. I play for enjoyment. Oh. Joe like just right, was so like listen. this. Have you guys Sorry. ever played that game? Yes. Okay, so you got all the tiles, you build them together. So we go to the first thing, and the first thing is this little, like, quick path, and you have to go through the mountains, and there's, like, one tile. So I get my little meeple, and I'm like, oh, I can put them right there. Perfect. Great. I can block this. That means I got, like, three rounds of building up my deck. This was apparently an unforgivable offense. I have a theory. I always thought you play to win the game. You play to win. You play to win. You don't just play the game. You just play. There are different. That's what's so. uh, That's what makes board gaming fascinating. Is I'm one of those. I I play to win, but I'm also just in it because I enjoy playing. I enjoy playing the game. The I'm not sitting there thinking super, and that's why Jerry usually wins because I'm not thinking super hard about all my moves and their potential moves. I'm just a in the moment guy. I will never your your story about that reminds me. Uh, I had introduced a ticket to ride in Alhambra to my sister in law. Oh, nice. And she, she was, I mean, she's a, she's got these killer instincts when it comes to playing. She would just destroyed me at every game I showed her. So we're playing ticket to ride. Like, you know, introductory, introductory family game. Family. And we're, we're, family. I know. So uh, my family that day was playing it. And I blocked her. She she needed this, you know, the single the single caboose like up there in Washington or something. I bam blocked her. She cussed me out, and I will never forget. She's like, "You don't have to be such a a double s." And I was like, and like everyone around the table was like, and then she was like. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, I thought we were just playing the game. And that's, you know, I don't want you to score because that's clearly where you were going. I just thought I'd block you. And boy, she reacted. And we, la- I mean, later on, we laughed and laughed. But it was pretty tense there in the moment because I blocked that one caboose of hers. And I just, I, I never let her live that down because that was the first time I had heard her cuss. And she cussed at me and called me a donkey basically 
I, I think, uh, and I, and I, I before I forget, because I, I wanted to touch on that, that game that me and Gobby both played, and it was one that I was trying to break down in my head. I finally came to the conclusion that it subverted my expectations. And there is this psychological thing, and I can't remember what it's called, where if somebody tells you, man, this is great, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome, and then you go experience this thing, it never lives up to the hype. It, it, your mm-hmm. mind like puts it up on a pedestal to where you, it just can't meet or exceed that expectation. But when you have no when you think something's just trash, when you just don't think that it's going to be any good, and then it turns out to be uh, way above that, it blows you away because you just simply were not expecting it. It's just everybody has gone and seen a movie that you thought was trash. I have feelings at, about this. Yeah, I, well, I, I, there's, there, I, I often point this show. I hate romantic comedies. Like I, I, there's only a few romantic comedies that Let's I have see. seen that. Uh, that I just go, I just go. This is this not. I mean, I've watched just all the. Uh, li- what 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 is your two? Name two that you like. No, I can name I can name one that blew me away because I had what? absolutely. There's two actually. I'll name two. I'll name two. Uh, the first one was the one that the first time I watched it, it completely just laid me out. It has John Cusack, which John Cusack is kind of. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, John I mean, Cusack he's got the national treasure. If you say otherwise, uh, well, John Cusack. Well, here's the thing with John Cusack. Uh-oh. I love him in like gross point blank type stuff where he's which the, is pretty much a rom com. Yeah, yeah, which is rom com, and I, I I don't even consider that a rom com, but that's one of my favorite shows. But, but you love he it. did it's a romantic comedy. But it's not necessarily romantic. He kills a guy with a TV, and Dan Aykroyd's in it. Okay, Tim and Minnie Diver. Oh, oh. Hey, uh, but he was in he was in a, a romantic comedy with Kate Beckinsale called Serendipity. Okay, I've seen that one. Okay, so basically these two people meet. Yeah, love at first sight. Everything goes right, and then she believes in just if it's supposed to be, it will be. And they do this stupid thing where they she says, "Let's both get on this elevator. You get on the other elevator. I'll get on the other one, and select the floor. And if we both." select the same floor and we come out then it was meant to be and of course things happen where people keep getting on his elevator and it slows him down and he doesn't arrive at the floor and she leaves and he never sees her again and he goes about his business and it's like many years later he is about to get married and he starts wondering about her and his friend who is jeremy pivens the guy off of uh what's yeah. That show? Entourage. yeah entourage yeah entourage, yeah. entourage. I love yes, him. who 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 has all the great lines in this show? Like convinces him by saying, you know, they used to the the Romans had obituaries, and the only thing they would ask about what somebody when they die is, did they have passion? That's all they're going to worry about <laughs> about you. Do you have passion? Anyways, he gives all the great speeches. He convinces him to go find this woman before he gets married to just just to have closure. Unbeknownst to him, she and her friend convinces him of the same thing, and the whole show is them essentially missing each other by like an inch at various places in their life. And it's the whole show is not them interacting anymore. It's just them trying to find each other and work out their problems to get to the end. And it was such a great show because it was just 
stupid for one, the premise of just let's let an elevator decide what we're going to do. But at the same time, it, it, it was just a great show. It was, it was very romantic in how it was portrayed. I love that show. And I love the show that I cannot think of the, t- the name of it. It's um, my man, uh, Drum Hall Gleason. Yes. General Hux. He's a time traveler and him and 80, a- a- Amy Adams. If you know what I'm talking about, it is an amazing film. He is a young man. He's very dorky. He's basically the Enrique of his family. He grows up and he's failure to launch. He one day his father pulls him into his study and says, son, uh, all the, know <clears throat> I think it's called about, out, time. out of time, about time, about time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and he says, son, all the men in our family can time travel, but you can only time travel within your lifespan. So basically any day you want to relive, you can go back and relive it as long as you want, but you'll mess up anything in the future that you want to do. He says, so just basically whatever you want to do, just go to a dark place. Think about that time and you'll show up there. And so he decides he's going to pursue this one girl that he's interested in and he does it and it doesn't work out. And he keeps going back and trying and trying and trying and trying and it doesn't work out. And then finally he realizes, oh, this is just not meant to be. This is never going to work out no matter what I do. And so he just leaves it alone. And then again, he goes on with his life and he meets this girl and he falls in love with her. And then he spends his time basically reliving every little moment of each day, going back and reliving it to try to make it perfect with her. So he, things that he would say during the day that he would regret, he would just go back and relive that day. And he would, he's like, Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Or, Oh, I wish I would have done this. Oh, that was the wrong thing to say. So the whole show is very cute with him going back and being that person of, man, I wish I hadn't said that. He obsesses over it. And it's just a beautiful film because it shows it, it, it touches on that point that we all have when you know you said something and man, I wish I could take that back. And he I, does it. I feel like you have like a real Jones for like time manipulation. I do. I am. I'm, I'm obsessed. If it, if it has time travel in it, I lose my mind because there's these, I, there's something very fascinating to me about the idea of like just groundhog day and something like going back and going, yeah. if only like, for instance, this is a dumb story, but I've almost died twice in the same spot. Um, what? Yes. Yes. Uh, so I have this thing. There's a, there's a red light, a four way stop in our little town. It's was the only four way stop in the entire County. The fifth largest County in Oklahoma, mind you had one red light wrap your mind around that. That's how rural I live. Uh, and in this red light, because it's the only one in the County at the time, Oklahomans don't understand how to use it. Green means go red means stop. So when this four-way stop, when it Did turns red, have yellow? no, no, we, that, we, the bulb went out. You might need to come down and replace <laughs> it. Uh, uh, so Sorry. every time I, I went to this red light once and it was years ago, Light turns green. I drive. <clears throat> light turns green. I'm in my little pickup truck that's a standard, and I missed a gear, and my truck died. I never do that. I know how to drive a standard. I never miss a gear. My truck died, and so I'm angrily trying to get my gear started. And as I'm looking up, a log truck blows through the red light, and I realized if I had been in gear, mm, he would have hit me. And I thought, huh, boy, that was close. That was literally a two second gap there that would have cost me my life a few years later driving through i same scenario light turns green and i just happen now i'm paranoid at this 
four-way stop. I look both ways. And next thing I know, I see this idiot coming and I think, he's not going to stop. I stayed on my brake, blows right through the red light. And I thought, this is the second time I've dodged death at this place. And so now every time I go to this four-way stop, I think, this could have been it. This is it. This is the spot where for some reason the final destination thing is here for me. (laughs) But anyways, there's this interest. I have this interesting fascination about, and I guess it's also being very macabre and working in like the emergency medical field for a while of seeing things go wrong. And it was just one thing that caused this thing to happen. Like a freak accident, just something super freakish. Absolutely freakish accidents that you go, man, that was unfortunate. I will never forget a story I heard. And it may have been on like that 1000 weird ways to die or something. This dude was driving his car. There is, you know, those big, uh, they're like brush hogs, but they're like cutting the grass on the side of the road. One of this guy's just driving by one of those. And he's driving by this brush hog at the same time that brush hog happens to hit a random piece of rebar. And throws it through this guy's cab, truck cab window, and it goes into his head. Oh, gosh. And I was just like, what? How is that even possible? And I think, so now I'm super paranoid. Every time I pass one of those lawnmowers mowing the side of the road, I'm like ducking and making sure (laughs) I don't get hit by a piece of rebar or a rock or something. It's just, yeah, there's always like these super freaky things that can happen. But yet heart disease is what will come for you. (laughs) No, I don't care about that. Okay. Well, I had a question. How did, how did you and Denva meet? So my friend, (laughs) uh, who is now a official medical doctor. Oh, a nutritional medical doctor. (laughs) Official. Official. Oh, okay. Uh, was dating Denva's roommate, and uh, we met maybe a handful of times before I asked for her number. Uh. I have more to the story. <laughs> and then uh, New Year's Eve one year, we were talking. She's deleting men's phone numbers out of her phone. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, why don't you, uh, you know, put my number in there and yeah. we can go get some coffee or get dinner sometime. So listen, <laughs> hold on. Let me interject. <laughs> Not fully happy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sensing two different most, POVs here. <laughs> no, no, no. Most of what he's saying is right. Okay. I'm sitting there and I'm like deleting guys' numbers out of my phone. Joe comes up. We've had like run-ins in the past where we're like just heckling each other <laughs> as one does and he goes you should put my number in your phone i was like why and he was like i don't know maybe we could like <laughs> he backpedaled a lot <laughs> well, so there's a lot of prosecco involved in this night quite a bit of drinking on new year's eve me 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 me, me and my buddy brett we 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 get going when we're together and uh, we were you know drinking that night <laughs> Yeah. So let's just say I, I, I got his number and then the first thing, so I was a spin instructor. Um, well, it was when I was in grad school. So to make money, I had like two jobs. I was a spin instructor and I did um, admissions counseling. And so I wake up in the morning, I have to teach a class. So I go to bed early. Um, and Joe asked me who won your stationary bike race. (laughs) And he thought he was real funny. I think it is fun. It's still classic. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this kid. 
Because Joe's five years younger than me, I should say. Oh, a cougar. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> She's robbing the, robbing the cradle. <laughs> and that's it? No, no. I mean, that's like, yeah, yeah that's I, like. I took her to dinner. Oh, ah, okay. And I pointed it forward. Uh, she told me I couldn't date her because I had beautiful blue eyes and I used to pass these on to the next generation and genetics doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, Joe was like, I think you might be a white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> well, blue eyes are a genetic defect by by definition. So, yeah. I know. When it gets yeah. really bright in a room, it's terrible. Well, I have, yeah. I've i told Jerry, though, I said, you know that National Geographic co- a cover that's so famous where it's the girl... And yeah, she, and she's got those bright eyes, but such dark skin. I said that's just like the most beautiful combination, though. Well, and then Jerry probably told you some scientific fact. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> let's not forget when my favorite run of this podcast was when it was just like, "What do you call a group of pros?" <laughs> that was like I could not. I was like, I'm so here for this. <laughs> We've had so many iterations. It's a murder yeah. of pros. A murder of crows. I can't yeah. remember what happened, why that came about. Also, uh, Incubus album, A Crow Left of the Murder. Are we doing Bubba Top Because it, uh, Denver had said it had been a while since y'all have been able to listen. So I didn't know if you had knew of the Bubba Top 5 or yeah, not. But we spent the past week, like, <laughs> trying to get kind of <laughs> And by the way, I've been having, like, so I get my new job title, get a lot more responsibility. I have been very stressed out at work lately. And the past week of listening to you all has been amazing. Like, just great. So just like keep 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 going, and uh, I really wish Enrique was here because every time you hear his voice, it's just great. (laughs) And then I love how it's always like, oh wait, hang on, turn Enrique's mic back (laughs) on. Well, I, I, no, no, no. I heard an episode or two where he is a heavy breather, and I apologize for that. <laughs> but Enrique really does add to your podcast, and I'm glad that I petitioned to make him your third wheel, and I'm glad I made that happen for you all. Yes, that's what people don't know that Joe is the one that caused Enrique to be a regular <laughs> on our show. Yep. And I, so Joe, I am the Joe G. He, he petitioned back in the day for Enrique to be on the show. And Enrique has still has never listened to not one episode. Doesn't know anything podcast. about it. Doesn't really? know anything you about it now. <laughs> he's just <laughs> on it, lives it. That's it. Done. So he doesn't even listen to the episodes that he's not on. Nope. Nope. He listens to none of them. Uh, Enrique doesn't know what a podcast is. He's like one of those artists, those movie out. actors where they say, do you watch your own shows? Oh, I don't watch them. You know, he didn't, he didn't even listen. I love that. I think it's like he <laughs> is going to be a celebrity. He's going to come to one of those game board conventions and everyone's going to be like, Henry Gay. We, we, we had that happen. We went what? to BGG and I, we met someone who, who was actually a board game designer who listens to the podcast. And he came up and he said something that almost devastated me. He shook Gobby's hand. Talked about the podcast. He shook my hand and then paused and looked at me and he says, you look so different than what I thought you would. Never elaborated on that. I have no clue what he meant by that. And then he turned, saw Enrique, who obviously it had to be Enrique. He was wearing his little fedora and no sleeves. Turns and vigorously shakes Enrique's hands and says, "I. Uh, it is a pleasure 
to meet you. I cannot tell you what an honor it is to, to be. And I mean, like completely just laid it on thick and Enrique just took it all. Like he had <laughs> not, it could not have been like, he just knew that this is important. Like, yes, I'm, I, I, yes, I'm glad you could have met me. Like, do you need me to sign something? <laughs> so the way you guys know Enrique is Enrique is one of your former it, co-workers. Son? He, he is, he is the son of a very dear friend of mine that I have known for a long time. His dad is uh her mag is his name magda the magdalorian magdaleno zamora imagine the mandalorian and you have imagined a a, a yes he is an older mandalorian like mag i have to remind okay. myself that mag is in his 60s but now. even more but noble mag, and more nice would be yes, mag. mag 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 has that he's an old school just spews wisdom from everywhere and he he's like a father to me and at some point in time he mentioned you know matt enrique's his son enrique was like 13 14 years old and he says i wish i could get him off the video games and i go well what do you i can take him places and maybe i can get him out maybe we can find him something that he'll take interest in and so that's where the board games came into play and the whole thing was i'm going to try to introduce enrique to the world and to get him out and to peer pressure him. And it's been downhill ever since it's just has gone. <laughs> it's, it's just been this thing of now Enrique, I take him places and wherever we go, it's like, I'm taking Enrique because he needs to experience this thing. And yeah, it's just that. And once you meet Enrique, he's just always there. <laughs> like you just like, like he, like he's that perpetual, like I'll go places and I'll just be driving somewhere. And it's like, I need to, dr I'll pick Enrique up and take him with me to just have that person with you. And he'll just talk about anything. <laughs> he will talk. So like, talk. I wasn't too familiar with Enrique. I had known Enrique from, I, I too knew his father, but I, like Enrique was a small kid last I had knew of Enrique. But then uh, we start, Jerry brings him over. And he's like, I got Enrique. And I'm like, Enrique. And I really didn't know him, nothing. And so at first I was like, I don't know about this Enrique character. I just don't know. Now I'm just like super fond of the boy. And we did our cabin con and Jerry had to go work like after, right, like right after we had spent three days together gaming. So I had to take Enrique home. And when we were playing games and even you know on the podcast, Enrique is not very verbose, but he did not shut up from the time we left the cabin <laughs> To the time I dropped him off at his house, that rascal talked nonstop. And I would, that was new for me. I was like, Jerry, Enrique does not shut up when it's just you and him. I was taken aback. I have to tell the story about Enrique because this is a story that has never been told. Oh, it, oh this uh, is great. So this was taking Enrique to BGG and at, at this board game convention at night after 10 o'clock. That's when the real games begin. The werewolf and and uh, two rooms in a boom, all these party games. There's nothing but a social interaction. So I took Enrique down and we just went room to room with all these social interaction games. And Enrique was just killing it. He just thought this was the most fun he ever had. It's like one or two o'clock in the morning and we're leaving to go back up to the hotel room. And we pass by this dark room that has like this techno light thing going on. And that's where we learned about a game called Johan 
Sebastian Joust. Google that. There's numerous YouTube videos. And what it is are these lightsaber type sticks that have these bulbs on them that are flashing different colors. And each player holds on to them. And in the background, they play Johann Sebastian Bach music or any type of classical music. And you are to dance and to move with the rhythm of the beat. And if you move outside the beat, your light on your little can- uh, your lightsaber starts flashing. It's like those little Sony too- PlayStation mover things yeah, they wands. had back in the day. And if you if you move too much out of beat, your light will ding and you're knocked out of the game. So the idea is, is all these people are dancing and moving in rhythm with the tempo of this music. But at the same time, you're trying to knock the other players out by physically touching them, but not knocking yourself out of rhythm it is literally dance fighting it is the most fun that you can have inebriated and so we go down to this room and all these people are playing this game and you're just taking turns and we played it and had the absolute most fun the one person that was undefeated in all the matches was this young girl who apparently from talking with her later, she had a history in ballet. She literally knocked my controller out of my hands with her foot and did not lose the tempo. So she was an amazing dancer, but at the same time she could throw other people off. Enrique decided that he could knock her off tempo and knock her out of the game. So Enrique had over several rounds attempted to knock her out of the round and failed miserably each time till finally at one point Enrique, who is very quiet, very reserved, never says anything of remotely just, just, he's just very internalized. He comes up to me and I said, what are you doing? Just, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to beat her. And he looks at me with all the seriousness with sweat pouring off of his fedora and his face and he's sleeveless and it's two o'clock in the morning. And he says, I am going to go out there. I'm going to defeat her. And then she will wed me and be my <laughs> wife. I thought this might be flirting. I really did. And, and I looked and I said, Enrique, do it, do it. <laughs> I, I have will. never, it did not happen. It did not happen. But either way, it was the first type of, it, it was just this weird experience of seeing Enrique actually out there with other people and being outside of a shell. And that was like 2015. That was like this thing of actually seeing him interact and be amongst other people and be outside of just this small group. And it was just a nice experience. But at the same time, it turned Enrique into the monster that he is now because he slowly has become one of us. He's been warped because he he literally d- Enrique I, is not a monster. <laughs> people <laughs> think people think we. I don't know. They might think that we're being exaggerating. Enrique literally just plays video games in his room all day, and he eats chicken nuggets. He might eat some sort of cheeseburger with no veggies or nothing on it. Cheese, a cheese sandwich. Uh, he'll come play board games with us, and he goes to work for his father. And that's it. That's Enrique's life, and he loves but he, it. He, but he works. He does. Yeah, he works with his dad. Yeah, he he works. He okay. works with his dad, and I, and he is. It's it's interesting to get him to get him kind of just outside. So that that the whole board game thing for us 
initially with Enrique was get him out of the house, let him be with other people and let him interact. And so that's how Enrique has become this integral part of just the group, I guess. You guys have a big, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You guys have a big extended family in a sense, like Sade. And like, I mean, I feel like there's a big, big family. It is. Yeah. We uh, finally moved out of the house. We're proud of her. Finally. Yeah, she uh, she's got her own place now, but she's over here right now, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> she's never far from home. <laughs> she's never far from home. Tell her I am like following her roller skating journey, and I am like, oh, she will be so happy. I am very pro everything that she's doing. She's putting herself out there. She's learning. She's documenting it, like the fearlessness to document. Like, I don't want anyone to see me, like, do that. But she's done a really good job. She's so, she's, she's, yeah. I, I, tell, I don't have children, but she's my child. I like, I, I have never, I told Jerry and I've told Gina and I, I, I it's so weird to not have children, but yet feel like someone is your child and have the, the love that I'm like, is this what a parent feels toward their child? Cause like, I love this person. And I, like she, one day she was out there mowing our yard and something happened with the lawnmower. And so I'm out there like teaching her, like, you need to do this. You need to do that. And I was like, I feel like a dad. I'm out here like teaching you how to mow the yard and put gas in the lawnmower and crank it up. And, and she's just it, her, she just has this natural, like bright attitude and she's very like open and everything is new and, Despite the fact that she was grew up in very not that way circumstances, she's just like uh, she's so I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. See, this I'm not good with words. Bon vivant. There you go. And it's just like I, I, it, she's just very happy to be around. But uh, yeah, she's uh, she did move out, get her own place. She's uh, proving herself self sufficient, and I'm like, whatever, great, you can move back in whenever you want. But you're an empty nester. You're, you're yeah. not. You're not driving by her house, her apartment anymore, are you? At night to make sure the doors are locked. No, nah, we got the field, we, we, got, we got the GPS to make sure she makes it home safe. So we're all good. Though, like the first night she was out of the house, he tried to call her the morning to check on her. She slept in, and next thing you know, Gobby's over there kicking in the front door. <laughs> it's it's sure scary. Right. It's scary when you call and like they don't answer, and I'm like, why is she not answering? She's clearly been murdered. I've got to go check. <laughs> I've got to go check. I want to find the body. And she's like, oh, no, I just overslept. I'm like, oh, my God. I like literally I cannot comprehend the, uh, the, 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 the pressure and responsibility of being an, a parent. Like, that's just, oh, my God, Jerry. How do you do it? Well, Jerry has two children, Jerry, right? Excuse yes. Me. He's also, this guy drives professionally. So for him to, like. Drive to a destination to check on something, no big deal. No, I'm like, I'm the Dominic Toretto of checking on people. (laughs) Yeah, come on now. She's family. When you're family, you're in. I've got to take care of you. You check in on your family. (laughs) Family. (laughs) This is why he has to watch all the Fast and Furious so that he can get in on all the Yeah, that's why you don't understand family right now. I guess I don't. watched all the Fast and Furious. He's the person with the children. He has, I think, two living, breathing children that are still alive. Yes. 
they, but you they, still uh, don't understand family because you not too- all of the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, sure, you've got family, but you don't really get family. I, if they it were so family's about family. not just about family. <laughs> family's about Fast and the Furious. You can like conquer anything. It give it basically gives you superpowers. It basically gives yeah. you superpowers. You can become an astronaut and go to space if you understand family. Oh, according according oh. to F9. So uh, to get to to merge this somewhat back into board gaming, are y'all still playing board games regularly or not so much anymore? <sighs> not since the pandemic. You're a D&D guy now. Okay. So how I'm did- playing like video. I'm playing um, Stardew Valley and Story of mm. Seasons. Okay. So how did... Oh, wow, so much judgment in those... Mm. Mm. <laughs> okay. I think Jerry has played some Stardew Valley. I have. I was a heyday guy. I was a heyday guy, not Stardew Valley. Take Stardew Valley yeah. and buy a little game called Graveyard Keeper. Okay, hold on. I'm going to write that down. Joseph. Gra- 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 Graveyard Keeper is is Stardew Valley for That's people who have... That's right. Uh, I think it might be. I'll have to see. Graveyard Keeper. I know it's on Steam, but yeah, Graveyard Keeper is basically Stardew Valley with people who have a sense of humor. <laughs> it's it's a great it's a great game where you're keeping a graveyard <laughs> and sometimes harvesting people's organs to sell on the black market instead of yes. corn. So Ooh, it's okay. it's the same. So. Okay. I feel like sometimes you guys are the game board whisperer. Like you're just like, <laughs> so I hear you like this, then you should play this. <laughs> What was the game with the the, the bloody end? Did you have y'all ever played the bloody end? No, what's that? It's a quick little card game where people are literally staying at your hotel, and you have to decide whether or not you want to murder them, and then have to hide the bodies in these caskets before the police show up. So this game never played it. I want to let all the board game snobs aficionados audience members know that I've never killed anyone. <laughs> I'm not planning to kill anyone. Um, I don't have such fantasies because I feel like all the recommendations <laughs> from this point on are going to be death related. Send all of your uh, death related emails to Denver. <laughs> so, okay. We have one small story and then we can go back just to, to more game board related. So, this isn't the last game. So I have Secret Hitler in front of me for all our, this is an mm-hmm. audio medium. Mm-hmm. And so we were having a 4th of July get together at a brewery. And Joe was like, okay, we should take some things. We should take Kodanames with us. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we should bring. It took me a second. It took me oh, a right. second. <laughs> and we should bring Secret Hitler. So I have a grad student who comes and I was like, you should bring your boyfriend, you know, the more the merrier we get there. I'm about to take it out. And then I hear him speak in his accent. He's German. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm you like, there. Oh y'all, we cannot play. I, I, uh, there. I, I don't care. <laughs> I was like, we can't play. I've had a few. <laughs> it's all okay. good. bro. I was like, no. We are not playing secret. Hitler. Don't see the issue with this. So I, I, I have heard that. I mean, I'm. I have heard that the the German people are very sensitive to that whole thing. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, it's just like you know when I. Well, that's why they have the secret Sith 
version of this game. Right, right, yeah. right. And I, I, when I was in Naples, I mean, Gamora, which is like their version of the mafia, is a real thing. You don't joke around about it. It's not funny. They had this huge um, municipal building, which had these small figures on it. And I walked by it one day and I was like, oh, what's that? And it was in pictorial form, all the people who died from mafia-related crimes that year. And it filled a four-story building. Good grief. So, like, you don't joke about the mafia. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not like you don't go over there and be like, isn't this a funny thing? And yeah. they're like, no, people have died. It's actually not funny. You're not quoting the Godfather. No, I'm not. <laughs> That's why I was like, I think it probably would make him feel as the only German here very awkward for us to play this game. So we did not play it. You did not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It can be problematic at times in certain situations. Well, there's people that do just have a pro- you know issues with it, and then those. I like don't. the game. I like Secret Hitler mm-hmm. the game though. Like I think it's. I think it's fun. And that's why they have the Secret Sith version, which is Star Wars related and not Hitler related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But for all those Order 66 people out there to fulfill your fantasy of oh finding the Sith. Yes. Oh, yeah. Gabby, did did they did uh oh y'all have got your, your Bubba top five, don't you? Yeah, do you have your Bubba top five? Work, huh? We can we can make it happen. We can do it. All right. I mean it, there is a lo- the rules seem very loose. The number the number five is <laughs> well, the, the, well Joe, you seem very loose. So you're you're good. <laughs> Yeah. And his words are getting longer for some reason. <laughs> Me and Joe are spirit animals. I was recently on a 30-day, well, it was a get healthy kick. Thirty. My wife's like, let's 30 days. Let's just focus on 30 days of getting healthy, which also included no alcohol. Okay. That sounds terrible. These have been the most difficult 30 days of my life. And my wife doesn't seem to, like, I'm like, babe, this, I'm, and so, like every other day, I'm like, "Oh, how about a beer now?" <laughs> and she she doesn't understand. Uh, she started to get irritated because I was bringing up drinking every other day. She's like, "Babe, you bring it up way more than me." I was like, "I enjoyed it way more than you. <laughs> I enjoy alcohol. It doesn't make me a bad person. I don't. But I was. But I I managed to get past the three day period of you know if I had to start to have withdrawals or not. So that was good. I was happy of that. Uh, but I did make it the thirty days, and so today was my day to imbibe. So lucky y'all. But I had. Uh, but I don't I, feel like you're drinking. Wait, have you guys all started Mythic Quest yet? I remember you talked about it with another guest. Uh, I've 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 watched up into I'm midway through the second season. Man, I'm so jealous of you. I wish I could be at that point. I want to watch it all. I haven't again. watched it. You haven't watched it, Jerry. Oh, so you should, should watch it. Mythic Quest. It's okay. one of those shows, and it's just like a lot of things. You watch the you know it takes an episode or two. It's still very good on the first couple episodes, but yeah. you're not quite sure of where they're going. Well, I was sold on episode one. But, Me too. But by the time you get, you know, into it somewhat, and especially like we uh, we talked about that that uh, that pandemic episode, I did not, oh. I never expect. I'm not the okay. I'm not saying words. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I watched. I, I will say I watched uh, a movie here recently, and I just texted Jerry about it, and I said, 
this movie, my top five movies of all time are movies that move me emotionally. And mm. it's been a long time since that's happened. And my caveat is Avengers Endgame. And I know that's, you know, mainstream, blah, blah, blah. But when he died, it got me. When he died, it got me. Don't Not- spoil it for me. I haven't watched it. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, the most emotional part of Avengers Endgame is when all the portals open. And then you get Black Panther coming through. You, you haven't seen it? No. No, not a big Marvel. Okay. Marvel, there's too many movies. There's too many movies. My favorite Marvel is the Batman one. But but it made me emotional. And I gauge my stuff on how does it touch me emotionally. So Mm -hmm. I watched a movie uh, that I told Jerry about today. And I suck. This this is... My top five has not changed in probably 15 years. And I I agree with you. Peter Rabbit is an emotional movie. (laughs) I was like, why is he telling us the name of the movie? He's like, a movie I discussed. It was a pig with Nick Cage. I don't know. It just come out like a week ago. You look up, you can watch, watch. It's it's on Voodoo. It's on Prime. Nicholas Cage is a national treasure. Watch. (laughs) No pun intended. Or pun intended, I guess, actually. Oh, no. He was a national treasure. Oh, so anyway, he he has this truffle pig. Someone steals his truffle pig. He goes after the pig. This sounds like John Wick. (laughs) Basically, it completely. I I, well, see, I don't want to say anything because if I say anything that I want to say, it will tip you off to how it ends up being. I'll watch it tonight. It's on Vudu. It's on Prime Pig with Nick right. Cage. We're done. It made me. We're stopping it now. <laughs> we're we're stopping it now. Anyone. Y'all go watch the movie. It it made me emotional and the way the whole thing was handled. It it was just it blew me away. Question though, I don't want to cry. Uh, yeah, there's a good chance. Okay, but no, it's, but, it's, but no, but it's it's kind of a good cry. It's kind of a good cry. A good cry. Like, well, so I would say I, in terms of mythic quests, I can completely understand what you're saying. I really enjoyed the origin story. So the the precursor one where it was that that couple, they told the backstory of kind of the the development group that was there before mythic quest. I thought that was beautifully done. And if you like rom-coms of like the nineties, early two thousands, it plays on like um, a high fidelity kind of themes. It's just really, really Mm. well done. And it's solidified into like a short 40 minute segment. And it just shows the arc of like the beginning of a relationship until it's end, and, and how creative genius and, and, and like greed and all those things can meld into one and complicate a narrative. So I thought they have some great writers on that show. But I agree with you with the quarantine one. I felt as if it just touched on all of the range of emotions. Like, and I, I think they do a lot. They deal with a lot of issues so, so well and so cleverly. And they don't take themselves so seriously. And to be honest, I'm really shocked that it's from the guys from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Those genius people. Those guys are geniuses. I didn't. Good Lord. I, I immediately forgot what I was going to say. Oh, That's okay. So, uh, the, yeah. So, uh, first of all, I said I don't like the in-screen stuff. Like that one movie that was like all in-screen. Like this is through the, you know, uh, Zoom or whatever. But 
And then I was like, uh, Christian Solard, one of uh, our listeners, he's like, it's about the pandemic. I'm like, I don't want to watch pandemic. Why do I watch pandemic episode? Who wants to go yeah. through that again? But man, it was good. You just got to watch it, Jerry. You got to watch I'll it. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'm reading a book right now, so I haven't been watching any television. What book I do are you one reading? of the uh, I'm reading a book so that I can watch this, the, the the series that just come out, uh, The North Water. Anything that has um, water, water in it. Anything in <laughs> he's the a big ocean. Guy. He's a big ocean guy. Ocean. <laughs> if it's on a sailboat, ponds. And it's the 1800s. I I am. That was when I was supposed to be. Was in that time period. Stick to the lakes why. you're used to, I, Jerry. Uh, the Terror, if you ever get a chance to watch that, Ooh. it is an amazing Terror? movie. Okay. The Terror. Um, the book's will, better the, than the show. The, but the, the show's the show, really good. The book and the show are two separate things, in my opinion. Both of them amazing. Um, and it's got Jared. Uh, who's my man? Harris. Jared Harris, the guy from Chernobyl. Did y'all watch Chernobyl? We watched, uh, I think we watched Really? Well, yeah, I, I think Joe, I watched a tiny bit of it. <laughs> it's pretty depressing. Like, it's pretty depressing show. <laughs> intense. Yeah. So now on, all right. How do you guys feel about Adam Sandler? Oh, dear. <sighs> he had okay. his day. What, what What are you talking about? We're talking about uh, Joe is going movies to- that have made you cry. <laughs> I don't know that I've watched. Okay. I have not watched any serious Sandler movies. Now that click, that click was it one with okay. the remote? All right, yeah. At least somebody's on the same page as me. Cause me and my father watched Click together, and at the end of that movie, we were both in tears. That that is that is a str- strangely emotional, and again, like a time travel type thing, almost a little bit yeah. when you're dealing with relationships. Yeah. There, that is, and that's mis- why this came up again because I was thinking about it earlier. It is a strangely emotional show for it being Adam Sandler. I watched his uh, Uncut Jewels or Gems or whatever. Uncut Gems? Oh, man, I thought that was amazing. Demba uh, left the theater because she got too anxious during that movie. It gave that, me anxiety. That last 15 minutes. I can't watch I thought, it. I've just the, heard the, about it. I can't watch it. It, it was very... It was I, amazing. Yeah, it, it, they just did an excellent job in terms of how they presented just his character. He was not likable. But at the same time, you kind of halfway liked him. It was like well, he's a scumbag. Adam, but it's Adam like Sandler did an amazing job playing that role, and whoever cut that movie just yeah. murdered it, just killed yeah. it. It was just perfect. The score, the seventies like music mm-hmm. in there, whatever it was. I think so. It, they they did a lot of the. I think what was problematic and not problematic, sorry, but I think what would be problematic probably for Gabi is that you in real time, as you go through the story with him, begin to feel his pressure. You feel in in a way that no other movie has ever done for me. Hmm. I felt the crunch. I felt the pressure. I felt like, okay, no, we need more time. Like I was saying that to myself, (laughs) we need more time. No, 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 please don't do this. This is, Along those very lines, I just posted this. Uh, I'm trying to get our Twitter going a little bit more, so I've been posting random stupid stuff on there. Oh, I That'll work. I have an issue Uh-oh. with books and movies, and this is a me thing. Whenever the stress gets high, I will go to the end of a book to see if the guy I'm worried mm-hmm. about makes it, and then I can read the rest of the book 
without having that stress on me because I literally, and that's why I'm medicated now, I literally can't handle the stress because I'm reading, I'm reading Project Hail Mary right now by the guy that did The Martian. It's very good. And I'm like, is this guy going to make it? And I'm forcing myself not to go to the last chapter and say, is this character, the main character of the book? Is he going to be okay? And Pig, I was watching Pig and I'm like, I really want to, I want to watch this movie, but it's very, it, and Pig is not like a thriller. And it, they say it's a thriller, but it's not really. But, but you're wondering, is he going to find the pig? How's it going to end? I, I'm, I want to go to the end. See how it ends. That way I can watch the rest of the movie relaxed. I thought I thought it was a live action Peppa Pig. Is it not? It's the greedy reboot. It's the gritty reboot. I feel you, Gabby. I'm like that. I will definitely go to a Wikipedia page and go, all right, so um, how does this end? I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this anxiety. I've done like, that so I many don't. times. I've, I have anxiety issues. I've done that so many times. Wikipedia. Go to the you look up any movie and go to the plot, bam, there you go. All right, I can relax now. Yeah, I know. I mean, for certain things, I don't want to know, but like, I, I've done that so many times and it pisses my mom off. So <laughs> yeah, I, I can't handle so that. My wife will do that, she'll she spoil books, and I don't understand that. I, I, I like to go down the path, I you like that. Firefighter. I like I, that. I stress. Want I, I, I think I got some anxiety issues, but like I want the rabbit hole. I, I do too. I like that sense of. Well, it has ruined many of book for me. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, oh well, now I don't need to finish reading it. <laughs> I, I like that sense of. I like it when a movie makes you feel like you're in that situation. Uh, my wife doesn't do horror films or anything like that, but we she loves the quiet place. And we went and watched oh. the the second Quiet Place. And I remember when we left that theater, I said, the sound in that movie was so perfect because there's times when the person's moving and you're just trying to be quiet too. Like you could feel yourself in the movie theater holding your breath. And I said that whoever like wrote that, the script for that movie itself, just, just the scenes, it's basically mimicking what every parent goes through when they're trying to put their infant asleep. Like they're trying to lay them down and get their arm out from under them and don't make any noise and walk through the room and not kick anything. It's like this sense of like, you can hold your breath. And like the whole time this show's going on, every time the monster or whatever was after them, that sense of trying to be quiet and every move they make, it's like you're trying. There's at some point in time you've you've done something like that yourself. Like you're trying to be, not make noise, and you're with them. And I think the same thing with that uncut gems. The last 15 minutes of that show, where you're just sitting there going, "Please don't do this. Yeah, like, don't make yeah, this stupid deal." Like, this yeah. is stupid. Don't do this. And then it's Don't like, he's lost his mind. He doesn't care. Let's just do it. I've got, to, I've got to do something. And then that tension just builds up because it's like, oh, you're nothing is going right for you. The whole show. This is not going to go right for you either. Why are you doing this? And you just, you're with them and you're panicked the entire time. I, I love it when a show can pull that off. And the only way I, I think the best shows really feed off of our own experiences in some way like i think well, yeah i mean i think he, everybody a, has been oh yeah go ahead no 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 
Um, I think you're right. And I think there's something interesting about him of being an anti-hero, but also empathetic where you're just like, you have gotten so far in over your head. Mm -hmm. There is no way this is going to work for you. You've made promises you can't keep. You're despicable. But what I think is really great about any kind of acting or any kind of movie is where a character can be despicable, but you can still like have some sympathy. And I think that's the fine line that movie did. You don't have a good movie where someone is despicable. You're like, I hate this person. And that's it. That is not like compelling. (laughs) I think what it is, and I've, I've noticed this in like, in horror films, like probably nobody's been chased by an ex murderer. So when you see these films, these, these scenes where someone's running and there's somebody chasing them, but it's like, you, that's hard for you to, that's hard for you to, to, to internalize, but everybody has come home late at night and your porch lights off or you're walking to your car and you're trying to get your keys out and the door won't lock. And you have that feeling of, did I see something? What's that noise? What's that? And you're trying and, yeah. and it's not, you can't, can't get the door unlocked or you can't, you have that sense of I'm, I feel pressure. Something might get me, but there's nothing really here, but you react that way. It's just an amazing feeling. And we all have that and it plays into that. But anyways, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a great. Yeah. That, that, those movies that play into that same sense of, a sensation that we've all had of either trying to be quiet or in a hurry or something like that. Those are always great. It's always yeah. great. So what, what since we're Bubba up, top five, well, I was, well uh, okay. So Bubba top five is what is the last game you played? I think it was Azul. Yeah. I think it was Azul for both of us. Yeah. I, we were, so our good friends are coming over um, tomorrow. tomorrow and we were at their place before the pandemic and we played Azul with them. So yeah. I yeah, thought we, about this. We sadly have not played a single game together through the pandemic. Someone feels a certain way about that. <laughs> well, you can remedy that now, can you not? Yes, we can. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow, if they watch you, they have a newborn. They're going to be like, please just feed us and shut up. Okay, so number four. Uh, this has been a difficult one because I was, it's usually described a game by box art. Well, since you're an art historian, we might should do that one, but we never <laughs> The box it. has a 15th century vibe with the lighting. A vertical brush stroke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a box here. I mean, we can play that game or we can't. I mean, I know you're thinking about getting that out of the bubble and top five. I've been, think, I've been thinking about doing it because we had a game we played a few times where we do a board game antonyms where it's the title, but in antonym form. So like, you know, instead of Godfather, it's devil mother type thing. All right. Well, I will do the, uh, describe the box art one. Oh, can do the antonym. No, no, no. We'll just do, no, we'll have one thing. (laughs) So this one, uh, it's a nice, uh, blue outlined box, uh, darker blue. Uh, it has two people on it. They're sharing, uh, some bountiful harvest. Viticulture. And, uh, oh, you yep. got it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this game. That was really quick. Huzzah. It's one of our favorites, and we can thank you guys for that. Because that was, that was uh, within your first, like, uh, 10 or 20 episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're almost going to buy Scythe at one point, but now I hear you guys are like, we hate Scythe. Scythe is the We've, worst. We, so. <laughs> I have... We have definitely cooled on Scythe, and we played a two-player game not too long ago, and we're like, yeah, it's 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 mechanically got some things that are fine, but it was pretty 
boring, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, play Hansa Teutonica instead if you want that scythe action on the player board you have. Hansa Teutonica is an incredible guy. Uh, number three, your favorite movie. Can I do my favorite show? Yeah, I've been thinking about this one, and I got an answer. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll allow it. Clerks. Oh, Clerks is probably my favorite movie of all time. Kevin Smith is doing the new He-Man on Netflix. And I have not watched anything of Kevin Smith's I like. However, I have not seen the old Clerks. I know it's very 90s based and, you know. It's all dialogue. All dialogue. The entire film is dialogue. I've never seen it, so I have to watch it to make my judgment. It's basically, it, it's basically me and you in cargo pants saying what's on our minds. Pretty much, yeah. Trench coats. It's it's us unedited. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a very yes. That show is one of those that he he filmed this for under ten thousand dollars. Yes, yeah, and I mean it 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 it's niche. Like it it speaks to some people though. It's, so it's an interesting it show. Place- in a convenience store and it takes place in a convenience store and they had to film it at night because they were filming it in an actual convenience store in New Jersey. <laughs> so it had to be at, after the convenience store closed. So the opening scene, the main character goes up to the lock for the shutters for the convenience store, the steel shutters, and there's gum stuck in it. So he can't unlock them. So that explains why the shutters are closed and it's dark. <laughs> you can't see outside of the convenience store. Oh my god! Throughout the entire movie, which is genius. I'll I'll uh, I'll give it a shot. It's it's all dialogue and it's great. I love that movie. I've probably watched Clerks more times than I have watched any other movie. <laughs> I've never watched Clerks with him. He's a Clerks guy. Oh, you have. You just have never stayed awake the entire time. <laughs> so what's your favorite show, Denver? Uh, okay. Ooh, all right. It might be Fleabag. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's just a good one. Very, very well written. Very I, well written. That was very, funny. that kind of took me off guard. I'm like, this is good. St- this is funny. Because I was like, the, the like one of the, I forget who I was listening to, but they're like, it's about this lady and she's not like that nice of a person or something. I was like, Oh, that's an interesting take on a TV show. But then like the way that she like does breaks the fourth wall and stuff. I, I was really, I really liked that show way more than I ever thought I would. Yeah. It, it just, it's, it's really, I think there's not been faster writing. Like everything lands so quickly and I'm going to make a comparison here that, it's very different, but Gilmore Girls has very, very technical, fast-paced, written mm-hmm. dialogue. And Fleabag is like, I don't want to use the word sophistic, far more sophisticated, but far more sophisticated, but still is very like technically well-written beat writing. Like every beat lands and every beat has a purpose. And it's just, she's Phoebe Walker Bitch is like chef's kiss again. Bubba has always talked about Gilmore Girls. He loves the writing of Gilmore oh, Girls. My, wa- my wife loves Gilmore Girls, especially the, uh, I can't remember the guy, the real skinny guy who has the very flat affect in Gilmore Girls. Um, The guy with the ha- love interest, right? Uh, I, who owns the coffee shop? Not, not him. It's the other guy. The guy that comes in, 
he's like a B character, but he's obviously well written. He's like he's got a very like well, seems like a one syllable name. I can't remember. Uh, it'll come I'm to me here in a second. But he, he all the the, dial, the dialogue in Gilmore Girls is awesome, and it's it's obviously I, I like. Nothing irks me more, which is one of the reasons why I have some issues and feelings about certain large action franchises that uh, utilize the same words, the same dialogue over and over and over that literally a fifth grader could write better dialogue than what they're saying. And that gets me. And then there's these other shows that obviously is well-written and crafted and there's meaning behind it. And it sounds like people talking or it sounds in a way that's not like people talking, but in, in a just snappy and, and what you think is smart and funny, kind of like a, a Schitt's Creek, kind of like yeah. some of the, some of the, yeah. the lines that the, some of the lines that the mother has in that, in that series is just incredible. And it's yeah. obvious that whoever writes for her, it's like they- that's why I like the guy that wrote The Martian. I'm reading. I read The Martian was good. This Project Hail Mary, the way he writes his main characters from you know his first person point of view, it's always amusing and funny. And I was putting that in. I just finished Dune, the book. You're a saint. I read Dune. I you're a saint. I haven't read. Dune. I didn't like um, it. And I Dune know, is that's blasphemy. My mom wrote one. I uh, read when she was pregnant with Amy. With you? No, I think it was Amy or Colin. One of them. But it's... One of my sisters. That's why one of my sisters has a, like a flat spot on her head. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the 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 uh the oh good lord the conversation in dune between characters is just like so unnatural and it's like i did not like dune i just didn't like it well it's very stilted and it's very draconian in a sense but i think it has to be because i think i've, I've listened to a podcast on dune because i'm a nerd and i think when he first wrote it, he thought it was going to be a standalone. So he's doing a lot of world building. He's creating like a very Joseph Campbell, like hero's narrative. And so a part of it being kind of, I don't know if we can call doing a real science fiction. Don't get me started on that. But like, I think a part of his stilted writing is trying to create this sense of a different world. One in which we have a hero boy, which must assume so much power. Right. So how do we other other people? Right. How do we this technically alien people is by creating this very stilted hierarchical language. And I think that's what he's trying to do. Dune is like an investment, dude. Like once you get into it, I was like, oh no, I'm going to be with this. Well, that's why I tell, it, took, uh, I, I, it took me since January. I just finished it. And uh, most of that was on, on Audible. And I told Jerry, I was like, the first few chapters is all world building and it will hurt your brain with all these Benny Jesuits, Quizajadarak, and Give a Dog a Bone, all this stuff that they're talking about. And then, but once it starts into the like the, the Game of Thrones stuff of these different families, I was like, I like that. Then when everything happens and they run off into the desert, that's where it kind of dropped me. Sandworms, and then you can talk about tremors. That was that was good, but that again, that was like towards the end, though. It was like, I don't know, there's a little bit of a lull in Dune, but I'm anxious to see the movie. I'm anxious to see the movie. Wait, didn't they already make a movie? Yeah, okay. they're making a new one. It's like an eight hour, like 
for prior craziness. Right? There's a movie, and then seven. there's like a there's it's like got- a '90s or 2000s like miniseries too. Oh, yeah, I know there was one that was like somewhere around the six to eight hour mark in length. That was the uh, that was the. My 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 friends from my hometown would occasionally, you know, imbibe in some of the devil's herb and like watch the entirety of it. I made I, I made well, Gobby just after he finished the book the other day. I made him watch the movie. Um, the, it was eight, wasn't it? The eighties? Just eighty four? Nineteen eighty four? Yeah, I just looked it Nin- up. Nineteen eighty four, and I had to show him like what the my favorite scenes from the train wreck that is that show because it was just an acid trip, and one of my favorite lines is delivered by Patrick Stewart at the beginning of the film, where he comes in tries to get the protagonist to, in, to to duel with him with their knife fighting little shield things they have. And he says, I'm not in the mood. And Patrick Stewart says, mood, mood is for cattle and love play. And then he pulls a knife out and attacks this guy. And I said, Patrick Stewart delivers that line just like you think Patrick Stewart would. He just, he's serious. Somebody wrote that line. He read it and he just, all right, I'll go with it. And there's so much craziness in that film. Sting fighting at the end of that show. I don't know what kind of knife fighting that was, but that whole dance routine that he does while I don't know what kind of what they were wearing, but that that whole show is just insanity. And I cannot wait to watch the new one. Like I am, I am thrilled to death because Denise Villeneuve is the guy directing it. And he was the, wasn't he the cinematographer for 1914, uh, if I'm not? Or 1917? Uh, I I 1917. Watch. I'm sorry. Yeah, I believe I so. I think so. I believe so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hold on. Oh, there's that French guy in it, too. Sorry. Now I'm- Timothy Shamalot. Yes. Who everyone is like fangirling over. I fangirl for Timothy Shamalot. The King. I'm- Have you not watched The King? I think we watched it with your mom. Oh, yeah. You watched it with my mom. You were there. <laughs> you, your stomach will your 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 stomach your stomach will turn and with the historical inaccuracies, but it is a great film. Yeah, well, I can't. You can't watch these shows for like complete act. Like you just can't. Number two. Yeah, Gobby's like reeling with the fact that we are definitely going way over on time. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, I highly suspect this episode will not be edited. So there's a 90% chance that the penis trigger we left in because there's no way Gobby's going to be editing all this. So, a board game you'd like to see made into a movie? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. Oh, my God. Dummy, you go first. <laughs> we can- Azul. Um, Everything's blue. <laughs> uh, That's Avatar. Most desperate. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> don't get him. That's actually, Joe. Joe. No, actually. Trash. 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 We're not going to go down there. Okay. Uh, Godfather. So terrible. So terrible. Uh, Godfather. Godfather was a show. <laughs> made, into, made into a movie. Oh, genius. I bet it would win an Oscar, too. We do like playing Godfather. We do love playing Godfather. Love Godfather. Yeah. The, the number one is basically what you're enjoying right now, and it can be anything. Movie, book, knitting, 
just like I know what I'm doing. Cycling, juggling. I've been just miserable at work and trying to get through it. <laughs> so Joe Alcohol, has, okay, whiskey. Gonna, That's what he's been enjoying. <laughs> yes. No, I'm going to speak for Joe in the capacity of wife. So Joe has been making um, these built-in shelves for my office. We're not in my office, but he's oh, building them. she's up. been enjoying this. I've been enjoying the carpentry aspect of it, but, you know. Yeah, so you've been enjoying the carpentry. That so, I don't have enough time for. So he said that he was really enjoying it, but now the truth is coming out. No, no, no. I do, I do enjoy doing it. Now. Oh, I loved it. It's a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm building my wife some built-ins. He says he loves it. I guess it's not true. Anyway, um, what am I enjoying right now? Um, I'm really enjoying watching Ted Lasso and and uh, Mythic hmm. Quest. Both I think those shows are great. Those have been like the the sunshine to the end of my day after like trying to figure out how we're gonna like wear masks in class and all kinds of stuff <laughs> like that. Not to bring it back down. No. We're not going to get political. Or Me and Jerry like, are both anti-vaxxers. Don't worry. Let me let me clarify this. I've had all my vaccines, but I am anti-vax. I think we've got too many people, and everyone else. They should just we'll just we'll just kind of thin no, the you're herd Darwin. out. Darwin, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with this whole. Uh, There's too yeah, many we'll people on this planet. Is different than anti-vaxxer. Yeah, I, I'm I'm big on this list. We don't need as that many laws regarding safety. I don't think there should be that many things that are regulated. I think we just need to let if if things happen and you're wow. just not smart enough to figure it out and it costs a few lives, it, then maybe that's just how it is. The roads are too cramped as I mean, it is. I, I hate traffic. I do I, hate traffic. I, I found out something the other day into looking into. I, there's this YouTube channel that I watch regarding laws. Uh-oh. And they hit you with these laws that you just don't realize existed. And there's did, did a, you know that it's illegal to snore with your windows open in the state of Massachusetts? I would assume it would be. All the Harvard people would be it, woken it up. It is. It is what it is actually a law on the books. Oh, Jesus. They're the mutual combat laws that some states have. I did not realize that there are states that if you both agree to engage in mutual combat, as long as somebody is not killed as a result of it, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. The cops won't stop you. That it's legally okay to essentially to fight as long as it's not oh, with weapons. And I I think that that's a great thing. I think that is that, that Oklahoma or Texas? I don't think so because we can't do that here Fisticus. because we off because we would be we would be down for that quickly. Like that would be a thing. That's like, how we would. So that's many. how we would. Put that in the sauce states, like Massachusetts. No, no it's <laughs> like there's places, going to be a handful of people that will try this. It's like it's like it's like in Oregon. I mean, like, what are they going to do up there? I like, would say I'm that would be. I'm going to put my latte down and I'll fight you here. It's like no, that'd they, be an excellent way. Well, Oregon can like be once you get out of Seattle, Oregon can be like ride or die. That, like that, there are a lot sense. of sovereign citizens in they're, that they're area real, of the world. They're real close to Montana and and the Canadians up there now. Them Canadians are crazy. Them <gasps> Canadians, I'm telling you, <gasps> them Canadians now. Eight percent of Canadians have made love in a canoe. Fact. I like oh. how you know that. 
How are we polling these people? I don't know. Bobby, come on. It's a fact, though. I saw it. Somebody <laughs> stands up. Somebody stands outside the Tim Hortons with a with a board, a questionnaire, and be like, "Hey, so uh, check." <laughs> Jeez. So have you done it in a canoe? Uh, th- th- this is completely random, but this would be a, a, a weird, uh, this is a banter thing I saw, but it's very interesting. If you count the number of chirps from a cricket within a 15 second period, mm-hmm. Jerry's shaking his head, and add 37, it gives you an approximate Fahrenheit and temperature. Of that day, yeah, they don't do they don't do Celsius. <laughs> they're not metric well, people. Kelvin is for the birds. Yeah, they're not metric, and uh, that's just my. If you so you take a cricket, count the number of chirps in fifteen seconds, then add thirty-seven. That's the. <laughs> it will give you close to the temperature in Fahrenheit that you're experiencing <laughs> at that moment. That Bobby, is, I feel like you're telling me off. You're like. Add? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't just count them. Don't just count them. You got to add thirty seven, or else everything else is fruitless. You know what? I think you should have been a teacher. <laughs> and don't you? You got to carry the one now. I you know got to freaking around here. I'm trying to divide this. Don't be just counting. You can't just be counting them chirps. You got to add thirty seven. What do you not understand? And also. The blob of toothpaste on the end of your toothbrush is called a nurdle. Oh. There you mm-hmm. go. Somebody just made that. <laughs> no, that's a fact. Those are facts. <laughs> I only state absolute facts. Mm, I think we need a fact checker, but I don't <laughs> really need so. No, Rike will look stuff up, and that's how we tend to know like what the name of items are, because he will ask he, if he sees something, he'll ask you, what is this called? And so it's like, that's how I know. Like, if you go buy a coffee somewhere and those little brown things, like Please. the coaster things, that you, those things that you stick in there, oh, those yeah. are like called Zarts. Zarts? I had no clue about that. But apparently in Zarts, Z-A-R-T, that's, I didn't know that's what that's called, but apparently that is a thing, and they call those Zarks. I did not. Again, this is why Latin's a dead language. We're not adding <laughs> words. Latin, we're adding words yeah. to the rest yeah. of the languages. And at some point, we need to just stop. Well, Joe, what, we've, we've not got to ask. Is that the top? Is well, that's it. The top that's five? it. I'm looking at the art thing. Sorry. I feel like we missed one. But no. Okay. Like, what's your favorite game? Did we have that answered? It seems you like know, that was. I think my favorite game might be the Quest for Eldorado. I love Just that be- game. <laughs> and you know what? My wife won't play that game with me anymore. <laughs> I walked her one time. <laughs> Just that one time. You shouldn't hold you, grudges, you know, did you? Even better. It's a modular game. So, like, we could build that game and, like, Make the map however we want. So I could never block her in that same spot again. Nope. Denver, I'm gonna. That was it. As I'm gonna buy Enrique a Greyhound ticket (laughs) and send him up there. Y'all get ready. Enrique's gonna be headed up there. Buy him a Greyhound ticket. He'll stay up there, sleep on your couch, and he'll play El Dorado with you. He'll play whatever you want. (laughs) Well, (laughs) just 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 tell him you're in. uh, You're in what Delaware? Well, we're in Maryland now. We're in good old Cecil County. Ah, okay. We're like the only way in and out of our neighborhoods through Delaware. 
And so the, kind we've of got Delaware, Massachusetts, uh, some of the guys from Superboard Sunday. They're up there in the Northeast somewhere. I think they're Massachusetts too. But lots of once you get past Kansas, I have no idea where you're at. You go <laughs> north of Kansas, and I'm lost. Well, then you'll have to come with Enrique. Like every all, everyone should just come up. <laughs> we did. play. Isn't there someone in Maryland that um, you guys know to play board games with? Uh, that, that's oh, where Brian Aldrich, the Frankie and Brian, they're up there somewhere. And now Roberto, he's in Massachusetts. I Roberto, the hairdresser, hairstylist, yeah. hair. Master <laughs> designer. Cosmetologist. Cosmo- trying to get it right. I don't he's know. a Cosmetologist. master designer of hair. Yeah. He's going to, is he actually going to like start his own YouTube where he cuts hair and asks game designer questions? He should. I sure hope he does. Harry Styles. Harry Styles. One Direction. He could do it. He we, could do it. But we, he's, hey, I don't know. He's missing a great opportunity. We need those royalties. Mm. You could be his first guest, Gobby. He could shave your head. <laughs> With a wow. flat. I've always wanted to do the flat razor, like the old timey guys, you know. But that makes me a little I, bit nervous. I think you're going to be taking your life into your own hands. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Do you have any questions for us? <laughs> I mean, you know, what's next? Where Where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> I'm not. We're on the job interview. Wait, are you guys going to start streaming board games? No. Uh, Roberto Wait, asked us a similar question. We just... Yeah. We, uh, we just don't... Basically, we don't have the time. Uh mm-hmm. It's easy to podcast. Podcasting is probably the easiest form of content creation because you just turn on a microphone and you're good to go. Whereas streaming, YouTube, all that stuff requires cameras. My, my, I would have to do it on iPhone. That'd probably be okay. But I don't know. No. The short answer is no. <laughs> I flirted with thinking of starting at OnlyFans, where it's like where we just stream our games. Wait a minute. Here we go. Like tease people, and it's just us playing the same game over and over and over. Here we go. <laughs> just people just sitting there. Wait, when when does this get erotic? <laughs> it's just you're us both happily there. married men, and you're like. I'm starting an OnlyFans. <laughs> OnlyFans. We'll see what happens. You haven't seen them shave my bald head. <laughs> and, and just every like four minutes, it's just wedding man to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You cannot partake of this beauty. Take it. I mean, I, I, I don't. You know, I do think that you have to have some kind of like visual presence because. Yeah, I would People, help. Like that man who met Enrique when he met Jerry, he was like, "You're not what I expected." Mm. We, I mean, people need to know what you look like. But people <laughs> deserve to know. <laughs> so just to describe Jerry real quick. So oh wow! He doesn't get no! confused. But yes, please. Majestic hair, just forehead <laughs> on top. Joe is three whiskeys in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is. Probably (laughs) four. He was pre-gaming. I Uh, mean, you know, I had a rough weekend. I would say at this point, I think you just have to stay tuned to figure out, like, what your heroes look like. 
right? There will be, just like the American government is moving closer and closer to disclosure, so too are the board game snobs moving closer and closer to disclosure, disclosing the from the anonymity of what Jerry and Gobby look like. So stay tuned. We shall there burst a, forth onto the scene. There was a podcast, a board game podcast, that was very popular that I used to listen to when I first got into board gaming, that they went the route of starting their own YouTube channel. And until that time, I had never saw any photographs of any of the four or five gentlemen that happened to be, and I don't want to name them, but it was like this very secret cabal group um, of people. And when they started their YouTube channel, it killed it for me for some reason, because they all looked, I don't know. Jerry, it, it how threw dare me you? Off. It threw me off. It literally threw me off. I don't know what about it. It messed me up. I think that some people, you just want the nut. You just. It's you like want- when they make a movie of your favorite book and nobody in the movie matches your expectations. Mm-hmm. It just ruins right. it for you. Right. This just reminds me of Dale and Holly. Kind of. I Do know. you want to tell them that story? No, no, no. We don't have time. We have to let them go. <laughs> we have to let them go. We have to let them go. Joe wants to stay with you guys. We're going to let you go well, we've now. Not, we've not got to ask Joe any questions. We were all about art with then, but Joe, what's your, <laughs> what kind, this again. What's your favorite light bulb? <laughs> Random light bulb. I what's, mean, honestly... If I had to choose, it would oh, be God. the incandescent GE reveal. See, has the LED, it's complete. Like it doesn't make sense to install it anywhere nowadays because you got to go LED. You but started the light this. that came <laughs> out of it was just such a good color <laughs> rendering index. It was great. It looked good. It was like a perfect neutral white out of a light bulb you could buy at Home Depot. That describes me perfectly. A neutral white. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like now you go to buy a, a, light bulb a bright neutral Depot and you have the warm light, warm white, or the cool white, and you don't have an actual white. You have yellow or blue. <laughs> yellow, yeah, yellow and blue, or yellow and white. Yeah. Like it's just there's no like they don't hit that. I have strong feelings about color. Joe has strong feelings about color. <laughs> I don't know. Like, this might, is this too long? This you is touched on long. a nerve, Jerry. You touched on a nerve. Well, we'll, we'll, get you, we'll get you back on it another time. Next time, we'll try to arrange this when we're together and we have Enrique in tow. And we can, we can allow Enrique to interview Joe regarding all things light. You could enlighten us. And and Enrique can be the one to interview you. How about that? Um, and, uh, Wait, I, hold on. I would just say, just make sure you know the difference between color temperature and lumens. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I because lumens the brightness of the light. <laughs> color temperature is just the appearance of the light. I'm leaving. <laughs> I am leaving. I was going to say I can't believe Gobby's going to let like. Jerry just get the, that pun in there without like one thing out. <laughs> well, I, he, he said enlightening. I was like, oh, that's a good one. But you know, it's it's it's, it. it's getting late. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> See, you started this. Okay. We enjoyed it very much. You have uh, you have uh, exceeded expectations. I have learned a lot, and that's you know. I don't know much to start off with, so anything's a bonus. Listen, don't speak about yourself like that. You brought a lot of joy to our 
to our home. And also you've enlightened us a great, great deal. And that means a lot. And guys, we are a fan of the banter section. Oh, so it's almost appropriate that we hit like 95% banter. Uh, the banter is good. The banter is the way to go. Uh, have you heard my recent drops? You mean the, I need to know what a drop is, but when you have your like, um, let me say, hold on. Oh, and also, guys, the uh, the just depression con. I don't know. The con. That episode, I absolutely loved that episode. And uh, you guys may have encouraged me to actually go see that therapy. So thanks. Oh, there you go. We, well, you're not the only person that we've had emails from saying, yeah, I've, I've, after listening to that episode, I realized I needed to take care of some things. And I think that, uh, yeah, that was a, important. that was a, an important episode that for some reason, again, just came out of absolutely nowhere. I don't know how that, that, that was not planned. That was just, it was just the banter section. Embrace that, Jerry. I guess, I guess. I keep telling myself this is a board game podcast. Yeah. But uh we uh well we, we do enjoy when we're able to be together a lot more. That's why was, we were telling Roberto. Like we had we had a thirty minute conversation with Roberto of Sheer Boredom after we stopped recording that was better than anything we actually put on the podcast. And I was like, that's gonna teach me from pushing stop from now on. So it's just we we were talking about how well, he talked about the, the depression, anxiety, and then we were talking about how uh, we we record so much better when we're together. And mm-hmm. I don't that probably is not good. But like I'd say most of the podcasts that get recorded are on Zoom or whatever they use nowadays. But me and Jerry bounce off each other just more better when we're in person and we can, I don't know, just read body language and all that type of stuff. Your body's large. It's easy, it's easy to read. Large fonts. <laughs> Bold type. Bold and it's just, type. It's, just, it's just better. And I, uh, I, I don't like doing Zoom. I don't like it. But it's become a necessity in these times of, that we live in. So, uh, the, we made you do Zoom. So, I mean, listen, if there is a next time, we'll just do it. You'll do it when you guys are together. We will definitely, and we'll 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 make it uh make it a special one with Enrique just for Joe, just special. Yeah, for it'll Joe. be just you and Listen, Enrique that, and Joe. I made, I made that kid's career. Wow. <laughs> now he's getting bombastic. <laughs> I made. We're that gonna give we're gonna give him a ten minute one on one session with Enrique, and we'll see how that oh, goes. God. I will not just be there. Just did Reiki asking questions. I have I, I can't tell you how much I had to edit out of the last episode of Enrique's questions, and it's just like, yeah, Enrique, yeah, lots of editing when Enrique's on. Feel free to like vibrantly and violently I, edit this. I, I, I can't wait to listen to this, and it's just going to be you guys interviewing my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and this Oh, I could have swore she was married to somebody. 
Uh, now, well, we've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you for coming on and thank you for uh, giving us another guy. Really, this was just me trying to get y'all to listen to us again. That was the whole point of the show. I mean, honestly, I bet it, you guys never left my <laughs> podcast list. It was just, I either need to figure Dungeons out how I was going to DM my He's, he's a D&D guy now. In Dragon Session, or I was like, I have way too much going on in my life right now, and I need to make five phone calls for work and figure out what I'm doing next. Yeah. It's been an unfortunate year. It helps to have a lot of road time. Well, I've listened to like a good like 20 plus hours of your podcast in like the past seven We've done days. homework. <laughs> you did homework as and well. I missed you guys, and I'm so glad to have you back in my life. Well, we're glad to be back, and uh, we'll have you back someday as well. So, Just when you think you've gotten out, we pull you back in. <laughs> nice mafia reference. <laughs> I am back in. I just can't articulate my love for your show. <laughs> wow. 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 Joe's feeling the love. Well, we love y'all as well. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll have you on again sometime soon. Until next time, I'm Gabby. And this is Jerry. Bye-bye. Okay, so I've stopped recording, or have I? (laughs) (laughs) No, please stop recording. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy. 